Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape and I miss video store so much I opened one of my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week I force my co-hosts Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in and have a look around, sign up for a membership. There are no late fees, but unwritten tapes will be hunted down by our crack team of sentient toasters sent from a future where they wandered the wasteland looking for the mythical last remaining slice of Wonder Bread while fighting gangs of roving forks. But that won't matter when they break into your house in the middle of the night to crisp up your favourite cat because you were too lazy to get off the couch and return Sister Act 2 back in the house. Will it die? This is Weird Kid Video. Hi, this isn't the podcast. We haven't started the podcast yet. This is me just kind of interrupting from the future to talk about Bruce Willis. The reason that I'm doing that is because we tend to record episodes pretty far in advance, uh, long before they're released. And in the time between us recording this episode and this episode now coming out for your ear holes on all the podcast things, there's some news that came out about Bruce Willis, which is that he's retiring from acting because of some health issues he's having with aphasia. We make quite a few jokes about Bruce Willis in this episode, and we then continue to do so for the next couple of episodes as a running gag. And I felt like there was a need for us to give a little context that that was done before any of us knew that Bruce Willis was suffering from aphasia. And we have nothing but love for Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis has given me like so many amazing movies. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is, is of course, Die Hard and then uh, Last Boy Scout and 12 Monkeys and uh, Looper. And I could, you know, rattle off Bruce Willis movies I love for, for a really long time. So that's what I'm doing. Just providing a little con- uh, context that these jokes were all made before any of us knew that Bruce Willis had aphasia. And we wish him the uh, best of luck with this next phase of his life uh, and the same to his family. And so here's the actual podcast. Enjoy. Old business. <laughs> Old business. I don't think we have any corrections. There's no corrections. Um, we did get some new stock for the store. We Ooh. did. We did. Oh, was that the photo you sent through? I did send yeah, a photo. That um, is very exciting because that is definitely one I'm going to pick. Yeah. Yes. Sky Pirates arrived. Sky Pirates. And that's uh, one you haven't seen, isn't it? No, I've not seen it. So it'll be a completely fresh watch for me. That's wow. exciting. I've only ever seen the trailer. That is very exciting. It is. Zone Troopers is on its way. Nice. Zone Troopers should be here by next week. And you also haven't seen that? I've also... I don't... I could have. Right. It could be a movie that I've just forgotten. Right. Because I'm old now. And... <laughs> Yeah. You have a good memory for those things, though. I mean, yeah, that's part of the problem. Yeah, it's the reason we've got a fucking podcast. <laughs> it's because I have a good memory for one thing, and that is movies. Yeah, uh, yeah, very true. Um, I also, keeping with the new stock, mm-hmm. because we talked about Highlander last episode. Ooh, I have uh, I purchased Highlander on VHS in widescreen, which is exciting. Not fucking four three in widescreen, and um. It also came with the cocaine-induced cocaine Highlander 2, The Quickening. <laughs> oh, yes. So we have added both of those movies I've never to seen the, Highlander 2. Oh, my God. In fact, oh, there's a there's an amazing thing. There's a thing about Highlander 2, which is, I mean, the movie's fucking insane. Like, if you think Highlander is kind of nuts, and it is, Highlander 2 is just bug shit crazy. Definitely a lot of cocaine on that set. And also... We're going to be watching the version of the movie that no longer exists. Oh, duh, 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 Yeah. I'll probably repeat this piece of trivia and we, uh, for when we do eventually talk about that movie. But the movie that exists now on of Highlander 2 um, 
on Blu-ray and on DVD is the Renegade cut. It is the recut version where they change an entire story element that was widely rejected when Highlander 2 came out. So the original cut of Highlander 2 only, as far as I know, only exists on VHS. There's no current way to watch the original (laughs) cut of of Highlander 2 unless you're watching it on VHS. That is very exciting. shitty thing about, again, I, I mean, I mentioned this before, streaming and technology, it kills things. It, it, it makes things less widely available. It creates uh, scarcity, which is why trances on Blu-ray and so the, the drugger on Blu-ray are worth a hundred something bucks because they go out of print. Can I make a confession to you guys? We were talking um, about- We do eventually have to talk about the movie. <laughs> do we? We really do. Okay. We were talking about Highlander. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is one of the movies like- Godfather 1 and 2 and Gremlins and even Goonies, I think, that I have never watched through in one sitting. I've seen parts of multiple times. Like I've seen the start here and there. I've seen the end here and there. I've never actually sat and watched them through. But I feel like I've watched them. Is that shameful? Do you guys hate me? It's not shameful. I'm No, because everybody has gaps. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I have gaps. I haven't seen everything that's ever been made. Have you not? No. I mean, <laughs> if you look at my wish bit, my wish list on Letterboxd, you can see the shit that I haven't seen. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. I, as a person who loves cinema, often identify gaps and then obsessively try to fill those gaps. Yeah, that's good. Like, I had not seen a lot of... Um, I'd not seen a lot of Italian giallo movies, which are um, like lurid pre-slasher horror movies from okay. Italy from the 90, from 1970s and 80s. It was just a genre that never- That's an incredible niche to find a gap. But it's super influential. Okay. Like there are heaps of movies that, that I love that have been influenced by those by those movies. Even something recent like um, Last Night in Soho, Edgar Wright's latest yep. movie, it's inspired by giallo movies from the, mm. from the 1970s. It's, it's not a giallo. That's a whole nother debate. Is that what spurred you to film? No, 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 no. Just more just like, I don't really know a lot about that. So I'm going to deep dive. What are all the best ones? And then I'm going to watch all, I'm going to try to watch all of them. Another thing I respect about you, a lot of people when they find gaps in their knowledge, they're like, I'm going to shy away from that because I'm embarrassed that I don't know a thing where you, you know everything about movies. But when you find a gap, you're like, I'm going to obsess about this for a little bit until I am an expert. Yeah. Less so now, but when I worked in a video store, I also went out of my way to watch as much stuff as possible. Like, okay, mm. I'm going to go to the art house section and I'm going to look down the aisles and I'm from A to whatever, starting at, starting at A, and I'm going to pick up and rent the first movie I haven't seen. I think... And I worked my way through the store doing that. I, I, Is that when you worked at Blockbuster? When I, yeah, I did. Uh, we've not actually mentioned on the podcast that I worked at a blockbuster but I worked at a blockbuster I don't think that that surprises anyone yeah but <laughs> it's like but I wish I hadn't worked at a blockbuster yeah something more like because and and this is kind of part of my I, I mean I was one of those kids who wanted so desperately to work in a video store mm. and I got a job in a video store I was already 18 when I got a job in a video store and I fucking hated it mm. and I hated it because I worked at a blockbuster I hated it because I worked at the McDonald's of video stores right yeah it was super corporate it was I had sales targets I just wanted to hang out and talk shit about movies yeah you should have worked at video easy man or yeah or any of those other uh, other video stores right yeah. but I didn't I worked at a fucking blockbuster and I hated it yeah 
Yeah. I very quickly, because of my knowledge of movies, became a manager mm. and I never fucking served customers ever again. Nice. <laughs> I would do returns because I could do returns faster than anyone else because I knew the store inside out. Yeah. And I helped customers out in the on the store to find things mm. because I'd be like, they'd be like, I want to rent Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I'd be like, comedy, second second row across. Yep. Third shelf down. Yeah. Three across. Fuck. Yeah. Right? No wonder. Because I knew have that, that kind of brain. I knew that store inside inside out. So I became valuable as a as a manager. I honestly I, I think this about both of you. I am so surprised that there are people our ages that aren't just so beaten down by life. Like both of you just have so much energy to watch these like art house movies and movies that are a little bit more trying. Whereas I feel when I It's gotten harder in the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I mean, of course it does, but I just feel like, and you I, know. We have a podcast about trash cinema. I don't have a podcast about good movies. Yeah, but by the time I'm ready to sit down and watch a movie, generally with my partner, like I, I'm ready to chuck on a blockbuster that I don't have to think very hard about. I'm not going to watch an art house movie. I'm not going to watch something from niche cinema like 20 years ago, even though that's all I really wanted to do back in the day and really like, had a thirst for it, mm. whereas see, I love this podcast because I get to do that. I also, I also like blockbuster cinema. I love big movies. I have always been a high art and a low art guy, and everything in between. Like, yeah. So I love everything. Like, I don't. I'm not exclusive yeah, about movies, right? But blockbuster movies are just going in a direction that doesn't that don't interest me for the most part. There occasionally there's one that a big movie that I'm like interested in, excited about, and I like. Yeah. But most big, big movies these days are just kind of very just formulaic. Just my thing, right? Yeah. New business? We watched a movie. We did. This week we're solving our grievances by using a ghost car to murder a gang of road pirates that <laughs> killed us. We're talking about the Wraith. From 1986. <laughs> An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom. A wraith. A cosmic spirit given another chance. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I turned my back and the next second he was there. Like magic almost. You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. Hold on! Grab the shotgun, Mama Luca.
if you've done nothing wrong, you've got nothing to fear. Written and directed by Mike Marvin. Marvin was a sports documentary guy um, who specialized in ski movies. And he developed the base jumping skiing stunt that was then later copied for a Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. So he was kind of like in that space. And then he wrote Hot Dog the Movie, which is a skiing movie. Okay. He also worked on the skiing sequence in the John Cusack movie Better Off Dead, which is a movie we will definitely talk about at some, yeah. point, at some point. So he, you really like skiing. Yeah, he was like a sports <laughs> action guy. But specifically skiing. But specifically skiing. And then he turned to writing to break into, into Hollywood. And since The Wraith, he's directed about five or so other movies, but none of them looked interesting in any way, shape or form. They all looked kind of worse than The Wraith. And then since then, he's mostly moved into producing. So he's, an executive, he's got a bunch of executive producer credits and stuff. So he's kind of still around. I think he's a fringe Hollywood guy that never really took off and definitely never made anything that reached the dizzying uh, cult status of this movie. I'm sure it was very popular. It's... It was not. Oh, I'm shocked. Um, it's a movie that, that bombed in cinemas but then found an audience on home video, which is basically what this podcast is about. How big was Sheen and Quaid at this time? That's what I was wondering too. Charlie Sheen, not massive at this point. I know the name Nick Cassavetes as well. Yeah, we'll get into Nick Cassavetes. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So we'll run down the, we'll run down the Quaid, house. Quaid, so pretty... Well known. Yeah, okay. Uh, not... I think uh, I should have looked it up. I don't think he'd done a vacation movie yet. Which uh, no, he's older in those. He's definitely, yeah. He's definitely I feel like older. Definitely yeah. older. I could be, we could be totally wrong about that. I don't, I don't know. He That'll be a correction. Older. That'll be a correction. I'm fairly familiar with those and he looks older in all yeah. of them. But yeah. so, okay. So just talking about the cast, cast is stacked with second generation talent. So sons of actors, and siblings of famous actors and directors mm. and other film film people. So you got Charlie Sheen, son of Martin Sheen, yeah, brother of Emilio Estevez, mm. president as Butler. yeah as Jake in a movie that he calls uh, a pit stop on the way to Platoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sheen will probably definitely reappear on the podcast in movies like Major League, uh, Navy, oh, Navy yeah. Seals, Young Guns, um, Young Guns. Yeah. yeah, I fucking love Young Guns. Yeah. I could talk about Young Guns for many, many hours, <laughs> and I'm sure we will. Look forward to it. Um, Nick Cassavetti is is the son of John Cassavetes, who's a famous indie film director. He made movies in his kitchen. He's like in the 70s when nobody was doing that. He's he's an amazing, amazing dude. Made Dope. a bunch of amazing movies. Um, he was also an, an actor. Fuck yeah. He's in Rosemary's Baby, which is a fucking incredible movie. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and his mother is Jenna Rollins, who is an Academy Academy Award winner. Wow, she's still she's still alive. John Cassavetes passed away quite, quite a, many many years ago. He's since became well. He he worked after the race. He worked as an actor. He's in lots of stuff in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, I always rec- recognize him, or he always kind of popped out at me. He's in Face Off. He's Dietrich in Face Off, who's um who Dietrich. helps out uh, Nicolas Cage. He's like the fixer guy that Nicolas Cage, when Nicolas Cage breaks out of prison. Oh, yeah. I was getting confused. Well, well when John Travolta in <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Rock for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's a different movie. It's a different movie. When John Travolta as Nicola, is in Nicolas Cage's body and breaks out of prison, he great goes to film. Dietrich's place. Yep. And then, yeah, yep. it is a fucking great movie. He moved on to become a really successful director. Ah. So he directs now. 
He directed a couple of uh, small indie, indie movies. He directed a movie uh, based on one of his father's screenplays that his father never That's produced. That's cool. That's just real cool. It's really cool. My favorite movie of his is a movie called Alpha Dog with the- Fuck yeah, I love Alpha Dog. Yeah, with the uh, late great Anton That's Nelson. a fucking sleeper. A lot of people don't That's fucking know That's a really good it. movie. Yeah. Justin, Justin Timberlake is really good in that movie. Yeah, um, although that dude- isn't very popular now. He's like, Emile Hirsch. Yeah. 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 Well, let's not talk, get into, get into that. Yeah. But, but his most successful movie, mm. Motherfucker directed The Notebook. Shit. With Ryan Gosling and Rachel That's McAdams. where I've seen his name from on the top of Notebook, of course. Yeah. So he directed The Notebook. So we're watching a movie. <laughs> Packard Walsh, the villain of this movie, directed The Notebook. Fuck. <laughs> Which. That's- no. Is amazing. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm actually. Maybe this is gonna pe- people turn off the podcast. I actually kind of like the Notebook. I think the the present day story is a little too smaltzy for me. But uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams are just fucking fire and are so charming on screen that I actually kind of like kind of like that movie. How can you not like either of those two people? I fucking yeah. love each of those people individually. I've never seen the film. There you go. Mm. I could have sworn you've told me that you hate that movie. I don't like the present day story. I get angry about the present day story <laughs> because I feel like it's completely unnecessary and also it's just trying to manipulate me into the sads. But I feel like you've definitely been like, oh, well, that person probably likes the notebook. Like, I mean, <laughs> but that's, but that's like what the notebook, you, you know, there's a, there's a type that likes the notebook, not to deride people that like the notebook because I am one of them. But, I mean, it's also the butt of a lot of jokes mm. because it's a movie that's so fucking Stereotypes earnest. It, it's a yeah. mo- movie that's so earnest and it's based on a book that is so earnest. I don't think that you would lie on the podcast, but I definitely feel like if someone had asked me, does Kian like the notebook, I would have said, no, he I fucking mean, hates that movie. I mean, min- He's definitely said to that a- to me before. I mean, I'm just... Too mainstream. Listen, I'm just saying it here between the three of us. <laughs> yes. Yes, no one else is listening. Definitely not. Um, Can we continue through the, through the cast? Unless- I just want to say one thing. Um, Nick Cassavetes looks exactly like, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, yeah, what's his name from that thing? Rob Hubel. You know, the comedy actor from uh, uh, Medical Police. And he's in everything. He's always like the dick guy. No. Blank oh stairs. Oh, my God. Sorry. It, it, he's the guy who always I know plays, the name, but I cannot picture his face. He's the guy who always plays, like, a character that's, like, super serious but is actually a fucking idiot. And the whole film I was watching it with this guy's face just okay. being, like, super well, serious. It's it good is. that we've already gone to the thing that you're going to be hung up on. Um, <laughs> Randy Quaid. Uh, obviously in fucking hundreds of movies these days, unfortunately known for uh, more known for his uh, mental health and legal struggles and his motion picture work. Clint Howard. Yeah, that son was a of, fucking surprise. Son of Rance Howard, brother of writer-director Ron Howard. Griffin O'Neill, son of Ryan O'Neill from Love Story as Oggy Fisher. Uh, yeah. You probably wouldn't know. that. I mean, Ryan O'Neill hasn't been a big thing since the 70s. Griffin O'Neill, unfortunately, also known more for his legal troubles than his acting. Um, he looked like he <laughs> his eyes had seen some pain in this movie. Yeah, unfortunately, not long after the making of this movie, he was responsible for the boating accident that killed uh, Giancarlo Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola's eldest son. Fuck. And it, that was the kind of the end of his career. So yeah. yeah, wow. Um, and I and I and I saved her for last because it's a big deal for me to talk about her on the podcast. Kira's just shaking her head at me, uh, swearing for uh, and look respectfully, respectfully for Cheryl and Fenn. Oh, 
Look respectfully the, she from the man like, who, who specifically bought a Playboy magazine with Sherilyn Fenn on the cover. I did oh, you know. <laughs> Why did you not Cheryl. bring that? Uh, fucking hell, she was gorgeous. Um, yeah, yes, absolutely. We'll wow, get, we'll talk a lot about about Sherilyn Fenn. Um, she's most famously known, and also great actress. Also, most famously known for her role in Twin Peaks. She's Audrey Horn in Twin in Twin Peaks. Um, and is she's also in Gilmore Girls. She's also in Gilmore Girls. As, one of, as two, as two characters. People. Yes, she. So she played two separate characters. She played uh, first. She played Jess's father's partner in the spin-off episode where Jess goes to the coast to go see his father, and she has short blonde hair and lots and lots of dogs, and she's mm-hmm. very shy and fan about it. And that was supposed to make a spin-off TV show starring Jess and Cheryl and Fenn and everybody with Jess's life in, in on in in LA, mm-hmm. and then. That did not take off. Apparently they did shoot a pilot, but I've never been able to track that down. Mm-hmm. If anyone has that, please feel free to send it to us. <laughs> um, and then because that didn't, well, not because of, but that didn't take off. And then she came back as April's mum when April Nardini, um, Luke Danes's uh, daughter he didn't know about, turns up and she is her mother. So I have no idea go. who any of these people are. I know, but said. I appreciate that you were looking at me like you know what I'm talking about. And <laughs> I mean, that's basically Brody's stance for the entire key of the podcast. Active listening. But it is definitely a uh, way to get Kian to watch Gilmore Girls. Cause, oh, Sherilyn Fenn's in it. You should, you should watch this. Yeah. She's also, she also appears in an episode of Dawson's Creek. Yes, she does. And she had a sitcom in the 90s where she played a, I think, she, you know what, I don't even remember, but she was a, kind of like a, a Hank Moody esque character. Oh, nice. oh, really? She'd kill that. Yeah, she was great in it. I remember. I only ever saw a couple of episodes of it, and uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. I'm, needless to say, I'm a big fan of Cheryl and Fenn. Yeah, and I'll get into the details of why a little bit more later. Trailers. Was it a like trailer for the trailers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was. There, there was. was a little. There was a trailer, trailer for the trailers before the trailers. It was yeah. also little featured parts, parts of the, the movie. Yeah, because I saw. Charlie Sheen and I was like oh maybe this is like they're going to have trailers of movies that have people from the movie in it or something mm. like or whatever and then I was like wait is this a trailer I'm confused and then as they went through it was like okay but where's the Charlie Sheen, Sheen trailer and then it's like <laughs> oh it's part of the movie this is very confusing why would you do trailers for the trailers the I, trailers only go for 30 seconds it's like, a bizarre choice who knows is this normal uh, sometimes sometimes you, might get a, sometimes you might get sometimes you might get like a, a trailer for the company that releases the movies so you might get like here's all the great movies that are made by insert Mm. movie studio name here right like we're gonna bring you all these coming and we're gonna bring you all these great movies i'm pretty sure there's one of those for canon films right that's floating around on one of these vhs tapes so yeah but yeah it's a little weird so we get a it's got it's using score from the wraith and then it's just a like a supercut of the trailers that you're about to watch and yeah. pieces of the race cut together. There's Very also strange. pieces from those movies that aren't in the trailer. In the trailers, mm. yeah. yeah. The boobs going into the yeah. tank. I was looking out for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's an image that's stuck in my head from childhood those boobs going into that into that cake have you seen that movie nope we're gonna talk well we're about we're about to talk about it so yeah. the um, first one scavengers yeah scavengers it'll take your breath away morongo africa a nice place to visit but tom and kimberly don't want to die there There's a word for what's happening to Tom and Kimberly. Ah, we did it! At 
adventure. This is definitely getting out of hand. Scavengers, drop whatever you're doing and hold on tight for a high flying, rough riding, seat of your pants, knockout adventure. Scavengers, it'll take your breath away. You don't get movies like that anymore. Yeah, it's like just plain adventure, wholesome adventure movies. I, I don't know how wholesome that wholesome that movie is. Was it not? I it seemed pretty know. wholesome. So it's wholesome a, in my modern taste. I looked it up online, and there's very little about that. That movie seems to have disappeared from time. So mm. very little about it. It looks like it's a South African shot and made. Uh, adventure movie that's in the mold of like other movies of its time, like Romancing the Stone or mm. Bird on a Wire or or that kind of thing. And it is it's a short trailer, but it is packed with like crazy stuff. Yeah, there wasn't there a car hanging from a plane at one point. There's a there's a uh, a car to helicopter transfer. That's it. Motorcycle riding out the back of a plane when the dudes yeah. go. Par- yeah, on. that was a cliff. Rope, not expected. A cliff, <laughs> a, a cliff fall on a rope. And a dude jumping on the back of a crocodile and a woman riding an ostrich. How would they a have real done... croc? Yes. <laughs> it's the just legitimately the, a real crocodile. The thing with the, the bikes coming out of the plane, how would they have done that in the, you know, 80s? They just did it. Yeah, they would have just he let the bikes just drop and just let the bike drop, yeah. The bike Hectic just gets a. destroyed. And they do it. If it's but think about it. In the eighties is like when you could have just done that shit without any issues. Yeah, it just it seems dangerous. <laughs> it's very dangerous. Uh, yeah, I mean the movie doesn't look that look, look that kind of interesting or good. But I kind of just mm. want to watch like all the stunt sequences from that movie. This it is the kind impressive. of film that I would just put on happily without knowing anything about it and just watch it mindlessly. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I recognize one. Uh, actor in it, and that was Brenda, the the woman Brenda Bakey. I know her from there's a short lived '90s horror TV show called American Gothic that she was in. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, there's only one season of it, and ends on a cliffhanger. I fucking hate that. Um, but she's also in the Tales from the Crypt movie Demon Knight, which we will most definitely talk about on the podcast. Duh. And Under Siege Two, Dark Territory, which we may talk about. Under um, Siege One. Under Siege Two. What is Under Siege One? Steven, I feel like I've seen Steven that. Seagal. Oh yes. Yep. And she's also in a Japanese cyberpunk action movie where she's the only English speaker called Gunhead from 1989. Oh my fucking god! That is god. a fucking weird movie. Are we watching that? It wasn't on. It's not on any of my lists, and it's probably ridiculously hard to get. But it is a movie that, when I remembered that it existed, I was like, "This would be probably be Brody's jam." I feel like you may have told me about I it. I don't think I ever have. I I basically forgotten that the movie existed until I until I saw. Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, that definitely is my jam. I'll put it on the list. The list is. Long. Okay, okay. We have enough movies on the list to do this <laughs> podcast for a very, very long time. Well, you know, we're not going anywhere. No. Uh, the Woman's Club. Angie Blake, prominent socialite, is running a sex service for the most powerful women in this city. Yeah, yeah. There's $5,000 sent an account at Bank of Rodeo. What's the name? Patrick Ryan. I wonder what it give you a new car. A new wardrobe. Look, what if I can't, uh, what if I can't get a, get a car? Of course you can. You're the champ. Just remember how you got this job, huh? My notes for that are the women's club. No. <laughs> no. No, nah, yep. why? It was sexy. I liked it. The, if you met me. <laughs> the, the trailer is... 
weirdly horny yeah. and sexual. And, and he is. The swan is, was the swan cake being knelt on was kind of interesting. But other than that, I'm 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 done. So no. This is a trailer I vividly remember from childhood. Of course you do. Because it made me feel weird. <laughs> like no joke. Like it felt like I was seeing something that I should not be seeing because it's so horny. Mm. Like it like when you're a kid and you don't understand what's like what's happening. But there's like this weird sexual energy in this tra- in this trailer <laughs> that I it just stuck in there. Um, this is the exact VHS copy of this movie that I oh. watched. Well, it's not the it's the exact um, same version. It's not the uh. one from my childhood. But yeah, uh, starring Michael uh, Michael Pear, who's also in Streets of Fire, and Maud Adams, uh, who I always remember from Rollerball because I fucking love Rollerball. But she's famous for being um, a Bond girl twice. She's in two Bond movies. She's in Octopussy and The Man with the Golden Gun. All I know is that everyone in this trailer was hot. Yep. Like the women were like that 80s hot, but that dude was fucking jacked. Yeah, Mike, Like he had the pants. kind of pecs that were like square and flat. <laughs> it was hectic, man. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen pecs like that. I might just find a copy of that movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, next up, The Gate. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. Someone has opened the gate. This is weird. Tearing sound. There. The decomposed corpse of her dead father. Oh, no. He's tearing out here by the hands. I'm calling the police. You got demons. Goosebumps type kid movie mm, to yeah. me. Yeah, it's a Canadian it's a Canadian horror movie starring a very young Stephen Dorff in his first on screen role. Yeah. Stephen Dorff from uh, Blade and also Is SF- that the main kid? SFW. Yeah, yeah. He was a, a child actor. I knew I knew that kid. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a kids save the world movie yeah. after accidentally opening a gate to hell. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Uh, what's that board game we play? I always call it Graveyard, but it's not. Nightmare? Nightmare. It reminds me of that. It mm. reminds you of Nightmare? Yeah. Okay. I don't know, the quality of it, just kind of, oh, the, the VHS, right. yeah. you I know. Mean, yeah, VHS, yeah. Then you could say so, that about all of the movies that yeah, we because they're all on VHS. <laughs> I've seen this movie, but I saw it a very, very long time ago. It feels like the kind of thing that you would have enjoyed. Yeah, and I remember liking it from a long time ago. And it, again, it's another trailer that where the imagery stuck in my head. The guy falling down and then breaking into all the little the little demons yeah. mm. is something that like I just, that image is just stuck in my head. The claymation work was strong. Yeah, stop Yeah, work. the hand going into the slugs as well. Mm. What was going on with 
like the window shadow that turned into something after the kid ran past. Oh. I still don't know what was going know, on. I don't remember. But yeah, well, it's a, a trailer. Cool. It's not supposed to give you all the answers. A lot of cool visuals regardless. Yeah. I bought it. Of course nice. you did. <laughs> it's, on its, it's on its way. Nice. Yeah. I uh, bought it yesterday. Um, Good job. <laughs> <laughs> we need another shelf. We, watching the trailers we like need a serves, whole house. <laughs> watching the trailers serves as like you and a shopping list. Go, mm, do I want that? Do I want that? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. It's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> or just mentioning a movie. Yeah, very true. Or just thinking about a movie. A movie you just casually blowing into my mind on the wind. <laughs> like I don't need a lot. Someone I don't need take a lot away to think about Amazon password. Uh, it's not Amazon. It's eBay. But yeah, eBay. Yeah. Uh, whose turn is it to recap the premise of the wraith? I'm gonna go right ahead and say this is a broody job. Ooh. Okay. The wraith is. Remember, Cain's very judgmental about the idea of a premise. I am very judgmental about <laughs> guys. The guys, what is a wraith? Right? It's a vengeful ghost, and that's what this is. It's Did you a vengeful have to look that up? ghost. No, they say <laughs> it in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a vengeful ghost killing his murderers, essentially with cars. That's what the premise is. You basically just recapped my intro from the beginning of the. Well, I mean, that's what that's what that's, it is. That's, yeah, that's what I wanted. Yes, yeah. and and more than that, there is more than that to this. But that is we're the not allowed to say anymore. We'll get yelled at for not being a premise. The the little flourishes and little like you know salt bay flourishes on top of it are the best parts of this film. But that is the premise. Yeah, it's the crow with cars. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's nowhere near also, as strong as the crow. No, but it's that. the crow with cars. I will also accept that as an answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not as good as the crow. I love the crow. The crow is one of my top ten. Crow is but another through line for this podcast. Yeah, well done. We needed a through line for this one. The crow is fantastic. <laughs> Brandon Lee is a, 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 a golden god. But the Wraith is a discount car version mm, of that movie. Mm, well done. So you could have done it. Yeah, I, I will I totally 100% accept that answer. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> And not even that much longer later. Like it's right now. <laughs> no. Uh, no, first, um, my blockbuster guide to entertainment from 1998 arrived. Oh, he was like, so excited. Mm, two months earlier than the than they told me it would. Ooh. Um, I remember you owning this book and us throwing it away when we moved. Yeah. I should never have done that. There I was is trying a to lot get. I have a lot of books as well, and I was trying to slim down books because yeah. moving books is a nightmare. Yeah, I and, hear that. And it's a thick book, it, but and also the one that I had was damaged. And this one's not. So and there you go. Is, You've upgraded. This one's in, yeah, yeah. So the blockbuster entertainment guide from the year 1998 came after I'd already started doing my background for mm. the movie, and this movie does not appear in the Halliwells. So I went looking for other contemporary reviews and found one from our good friend Janet Maslin of the New York Times. Oh, really? Yes. yes. And I'm going to read the whole fucking review. Does she still do reviews? No, so she, she moved uh, She moved from film re- out of film review in like 2001, 2002 oh, into book reviews. Um, and I don't think that she works in the New York Times anymore. Aww. Um, But I wonder why you move across to book reviews. Maybe you just get burnt out. Hmm. Maybe you want to try something different. Yes. Whatever she wants to do, she can do it because. Mm. She was reviewing for the entire part of the 
timing that will mean that she probably yeah. reviewed all of these movies, which so, is all the matter stars, I suppose. Yeah, so I kind of feel like this is going to be it's going to be an ongoing segment. Is what did Janet Maslin <laughs> think, of podca- think of the movie that we're watching on this podcast? What did, what did, Jan- what did she think of the podcast? Friend of friend of friend of the pod, <laughs> Janet Maslin. Even though she doesn't know, she may. I'm going to find her, her on guest. Twitter. Yeah. Anyway. The review is outstanding. Oh, this, I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm of just going to read the Please entire, we entire love article. I did paraphrase ever so slightly. I just took out some some context about when it's releasing and stuff. So, the greatest suspense in the wraith is generated by the problem of how writer director Mark <laughs> Mike Marvin will work the word wraith into the dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first sentence. There's a few more. It wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be common parlance under the best of circumstances, let alone in a teenage action film filled with car races. But one character finally does say Wraith, and his body looks puzzled. A Wraith, man, a ghost, says the first speaker. An evil spirit and it ain't cool. Then he gives an example of how to use it in a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> the Wraith that killed Oggy. His friend looks grateful for the lesson. The Wraith has an outstanding crazy plot. Charlie Sheen, son of... Martin Sheen appears as a boy who's been killed by an evil gang leader played by Nick Cassavetes, son of John Cassavetes. Spoilers! <laughs> he returns from the dead to challenge the gang leader and his cronies to drag races. No one exactly recognises him, but everyone says he looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. They're all too busy admiring his car, which is something called a turbo interceptor, the only one of its kind. Mr. Cassavetes is effectively blackhearted and makes a striking figure, and Randy Quaid does a lot with an undeveloped role of a local sheriff. Mr. Marvin directs at a brisk pace, but his screenplay, though lively, seems to be written in an alien language. <laughs> Hairball, Crater Heads, Maggot Pie, and Got Lunched Out are just a few of the film's notable locutions. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love this lady. She's oh, great. So good at just cherry-picking exactly what you want to hear about this film. Yeah. She does give away the, like, the, what's supposed to be the twist. Yeah, but it ain't a twist from, like, the very first possible, like, Oh, maybe we'll yeah we'll yeah. get into it. <laughs> I the blockbuster film and uh, film and film guide is is fucking disappointing. After, <laughs> like after Janet Maslin, <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if we just change the bit to just Janet Maslin's reviews of this movie. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, um, the section about the the, uh, the entry for the wraith reads. Maybe it'll be more complimentary. Mm. Or a, at fr- least a, a friend, a friend Janet. She's a little. She's always a bit harsh. Yeah. I just love her sarcastic. I know, it's so fantastic. Two two stars. Oh, maybe not. Uh, Slick but silly supernatural action film about a ghostly hot car that mows down a band of road pirates in the southwest. The chase scenes are more compelling than the cast. It contains an inordinate number of celebrity relatives. (laughs) It's the entire entry. (laughs) See, that doesn't give away spoilers, so I appreciate it. Hmm. They probably wouldn't want to give away spoilers in their in guides. Their books. Yeah. yeah, they do sometimes. I remember reading twists of movies or like plot oh, points of movies sh- and being like, "Oh, well, I don't need to see that now." <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. Oh my god! Um, Can't say that on the podcast. What if they haven't seen it? No, no, no. He's been dead. In Die Hard. No, no, no. Yeah, he's been dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for jumping on that, bro. No way. Um, my backstory with this movie. No bullshit. I don't have a count on how many times I've seen this. I, it's really? impossible for me to count how many times I've seen this. It's extremely easy to watch this film. Yeah. So there was a period of time when I was a kid that if you asked me what my favorite movie was, I may have answered The Wraith. <laughs> my second answer would have been American Ninja, but that's we'll get into that. Um, it's one of the very few VHS tapes that my father owned. 
Mm. So, so your dad loved it as well. Yeah. So he didn't have a lot of tapes. It was harder to buy tapes when this when this movie came out. Like the idea of buying an X rental tape, I don't think it was video stores had realized that they could make money out of that yet. So I don't even know how he got his hands on the on the on the tape. But it's it's something that that we would just watch. Like when we didn't go to the video store to rent things, he had like three tapes. So this was just one of the movies that we watched over and over and over again. Um, and I've never really stopped watching it. I probably watch this movie at least once a year, maybe twice. I mean, this year I've now seen it twice already. <laughs> so twice this year. Well, he watched for twice for the podcast. For the podcast. Oh yeah, right. Um, I was going to say you watched it once and then watched it again. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Um, so this is a movie that like basically just lives inside me. Like I know every part of this movie inside out, like doing the, I, I write a little, you know, a beat sheet for what happens in the movie so that we can talk through it. And I could basically just have done that without having to put the movie on. Interesting. So one thing that I kept feeling throughout this, you probably got the idea when I was talking about Rob Hubel, but one thing in this film is the, this is the kind of film where the tense scenes other things that are like now parodied for jokes because like it's just terrible acting and it's just like you know like it, how do you watch this film with a modern lens i don't know if it's possible for me to do that mm, so my thing with this movie is that i freely admit that my nostalgia for this movie my enjoyment from this movie is completely based on the fact that it's been a part of my life, like my mm. since I was a small since I was a small child. So I, I don't know. You have to tell me that you're, you're the one seeing it for the first time. Kira has mm. seen this movie a couple times before. I'm not sure we how well you rem- how well you remembered it. I didn't remember it when we said we were going to like when I picked it and looking at the cover and stuff. I was like, I feel like I've seen this, but I don't actually yeah, have any memory that, yeah. of mm. it. Watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I, I know this movie, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you like full plot of it. Yeah. yeah. But I did. It's not like when I say bad acting, it's not like it's like, uh, it's, it's extremely of the time and it's young actors. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had also merged it in my head with the movie that I'm going to have to give you a vague description and hope that you recognize it. I mean, that's basically my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other people in movies. Um, the one that is similar to, um, similar to, similar to this, there's drag racing involved. Their cars are very shiny and the main character rides a motorbike and then it's like motorbikes versus cars. <laughs> I feel like no. I've seen a trailer for this film, yeah. I'll keep thinking about that, but you've actually stumped me with that one. Motorbikes versus cars? The w- word, that, the movie that comes to mind is thrashing, but it's not that one. No, thrashing. It's similar. It's in that same vein and we watched it around the same time that we were watching the ones about like downhill skateboarders and downhill roller skaters and it was around that time that we saw it. Do you mean Knight Riders? Do I? (laughs) (laughs) Knight Riders is a very different movie. That's a movie, watch Brody's eyes light up. That's a movie about people jousting on motorcycles like they're medieval Oh, my God, Yes. Can we watch that, please? Please, sir. It's on the list. Yes. Um, and I no, it's it, not and that I one. It on <laughs> it's not that one. It definitely has cars in it. Uh, okay. It's not, you know what, if you think of more, then just hit me throughout the podcast yeah. and we'll, we'll put the pills I remember them. Together. It felt like, because yeah. when, when we got to the burger shop thing the first time in this movie, I was expecting the cars to pull up and for Charlie Sheen's character 
to like make some sort of quip about their car, like oh these people like cars and I like motorbikes, <laughs> and the, but that was a scene from a different movie. Yeah, yep. this movie that I'm trying to remember. Mm. But did you, we, when we're saying like watching it with a modern lens, do you watch it and go, oh, there's there's a lot of bits that you know. I've seen played for jokes in other movies or like seen people overact in other movies like in with with a modern idea. Whereas watching this, you're like, oh no, they're actually doing this for real. Like this is meant to be a hard hitting scene. It's not, but it's not meant to be like it's meant to be a like a fun exploitation. Like it's a fun movie. My um it and it is a movie that liberally steals from movies that came before it. Yeah? Oh yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. I've got a bunch of stuff about about movies that just it completely just lifts things from other from other so, movies. So, me feeling so I like think there's a bit of comedy in this. I think that the movie. Know, I think the movie knows what it is. Okay. I think that's similar to similar to um, to last week, where okay. the movie is aware of the movie is aware that it's trying to make a, a like a a teen action movie. Like yeah. That okay. it's kind of like over the top and and like Fast and Furious. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, Fast and Furious is in on the joke. Yeah, yeah. But okay. it has like it has this <laughs> yeah. uh, these earnest moments, but like it is like it knows that it's overdoing it. Yeah, yeah okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuz I think in terms legitimately, of legitimately I think some of the things that we watch aren't in on the joke. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is one that was. I think in terms of modern like, lens Like wild, wild thing is not in on the joke. Yeah, yeah, right? thank you. Yeah. Like, okay. Let's yeah. not get into wild. That's thing. a good delineation. Though. Um, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Future Cop knows it's in on the joke. Yes. Right. Great. Jim Carter. I don't know. I, I can't. <laughs> I'm tell not sure Jim Carter knows what the joke is. Uh, well, Jim Carter is. But Jim so Carter's great. no joke because it's the explosive combination of gymnastics <laughs> and martial arts. <laughs> Anywho, I think the um the the modern lens thing was more an issue for me with the very abusive boyfriend stuff Yeah, that yeah. felt a little bit like if it was made modern, you can still have that happen, but someone has to, like there has to be some comeuppance other than yeah. the fact that the guy dies. But I like, can't wait until we get to that point. But yeah, yeah. I have some things to I think, say about that. Yeah, I think that's the kind of only thing that felt a bit jarring because you know it's like it's, made at a time where they're not going to I mean, we could just be like have a feminist lens on we, it. We yeah. can be straight out. Like this movie's perspective at times is like straight up fucking problematic and, yeah. and would not be acceptable she is not, anyway. She is not treated well and oh, she doesn't no. have enough agency to. Yeah, not even, thank just, you. Not even, she just not completely even puts bit. up with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like let's just, just let's just get that completely out of the way. Yeah. Um, and the thing is that Cheryl and the, I think the only reason the movie gets away with it is because Cheryl and Fenn is such a strong person that even though she's completely out of control and she's being dragged around by this guy, you still feel like she has some level of control and that she's okay because she's Cheryl and Fenn. So it just comes through that she's she's tough. But if you just read the script or if someone lesser played that role, I feel like you would be scared for her the whole time and you would be worried for her and you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this movie? That's interesting. But because it's Cheryl and Fenn, she holds herself and is such a strong person that, you just don't read it that yeah. way. We talk about self-awareness, but the movie doesn't know how like, how bad that how is. Bad that, that I mean, that was that what is. thirty years ago, thirty-five, thirty-five years yeah. ago. I, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah. I think that yeah, the movie doesn't know, and so the movie brushes over it. But from a modern lens, like we've seen movies where it doesn't feel like that, where yeah. it is just mm. no, this is just not okay. We can't yeah. we can't okay this movie. Whereas I feel like Cheryl and Fenn brings that that strength to the role that. Even when he's like pulling knives on her and stuff, you still feel like when push comes to shove, Cheryl and Fenn could 
defend herself. Yeah, that's actually real true. Like if she was in any real danger, she's going to take that knife and stab him in the eye. Like the character wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. And so so if you read the script, she's in terrible danger the whole time. But the way she plays it, But the way she plays it and who she is just comes through that. And her that, like being so against him the whole time and just going along with it because she's basically yeah. being strong armed. That like the, I think helps. The minor amount of strength they give her in that she says, Well, you can never make me love you and all of that. Yeah. Kind of helps that. But then on top of that, the That's performance so and who she is as a person, I think, overcomes it. I love that a little bit. We're getting like so deep in the weeds about a movie that is about a dude in a car that kills the yeah. people that killed him. You can't not discuss yeah, that. It's great. Part, yeah, it's yeah. great. No, no, no. That's not a criticism in any way. Of, of, yeah, no. yeah. Like I, I. Do you love agree it. that that's yeah, probably we'll, why? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because Sherilyn Fenn is like, as a person, is fucking amazing and a very, very clearly a very strong-willed person. Right? Yeah. Um, and that comes across in in a lot in her roles. I think yes, you are absolutely right. I think another actress could have easily been buried in that in that movie, in this mm. movie. Here's the thing: is is that. I've seen this movie maybe a hundred times analyzing it for this because we are analyzing it. This might be the first time I ever noticed how fucking rapey it was. The funny thing is, is that hard introduction to that in the first scene where it is way worse without yeah. the Cheryl and Fenn character. Yeah. It actually kind of numbs you to the Cheryl and Fenn when it, when it's happening yeah. to her. Mm. Yeah. That's and, funny. And it's, it's of a, again, it's just the, it's the era the movie existed in and it's not, um, that's not to be an apologist for the movie mm. because it's shitty, but that's what happened in movies. It's back a skin then. flick from back in the day. It's it's just the it's just the way that the movies were back then. Were mm. back then. I have this thing about about like how can you love a, this? You know, uh, it's a little bit of a internet argument, but there's a thing on the on the internet about about how, for example, like. Wolf of Wall Street is a yeah. bad movie because John Belford is a bad dude. Yeah, and it idolizes and the hero worships his man. Him. And there's a and it's it's there's a it's an ongoing thing within within the culture about how can you love that thing? That thing is problematic, right? And my thing is always depiction is not endorsement. Yeah. You can like things that have problematic elements in them as long as you are self-aware and self-critical enough to realize that that thing is, that that thing is, is problematic. Yeah. Back on, back on topic. Yes. Even with all the things that we just said, it's got really fun kind of visuals. The idea is just insane. And that appeals, that appeals to me. Everybody is, all the villains are chewing scenery. Every single one of the bad guy gang members is chewing scenery. Um, yeah, that is good that it's not just the one bad guy and he's just got some lackeys. They've all got kind of personality. I love. I told you we talked about it in 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 Wild Thing. I love hen, like I love fascinating henchmen. Yeah, <laughs> and they're a so like they're they're nuts. They're nuts. About, they're a wacky group of group and of also pirates. Kind of seem to have slightly different motivations to each yeah. other. Like they're all in the same team. They actually but have they a dynamic. Have, yeah, they have a team. They have a dynamic. It's not just the leader and a bunch of people following him mm. around and doing what he says. Yep. They've all got their own kind yeah. of things that they are more interested in that's and whatever. That's so true. Yeah. Fucking that spot on. Um, yeah. It's got an awesome 80s soundtrack. The soundtrack <laughs> is fucking great um, for the movie. And it's probably got my money for the probably the coolest car ever put on film. Yeah, which looks just like plastic. I'm not going to lie. That's 
the uh, Dodge Turbo Interceptor that you're talking about. <laughs> There's only one in existence. So we have to talk about the car. I'm going to yeah. get the car talk out of the way at the, at the beginning. Yeah. We've, we've had the uh, the problematic talk. Now I just want to talk about a car for a second. Mm-hmm. Is it a real car? It's a, it is a real car. It is absolutely a real car. Let is me tell you about the car. Is there more than one in existence? <laughs> um, now, I think there's one. Right. But um, there was a time that there was more? Kind of. Let me tell you about it and I'll provide the, the broader context for you. So officially, this car is the uh, Dodge M4S. Um, in the movie, it's called the Turbo Interceptor, which is a fucking direct steal from Mad Max, last of the V8 Interceptors. Mm. The director admits this. <laughs> like that's not so um anyway uh it was commissioned and paid for by ppg industries which is pittsburgh paint and glass <laughs> they were one of the they were a glass and paint supplier for chrysler and dodge and they would commission dodge to design concept cars that displayed their technology right so it was designed uh, by Dodge and Chrysler, built by a company called Specialized Vehicles, uh, Inc. Um, and it was used as a pace car for IndyCar in 1980, in 1985. Wow. So they would build cars and then use them for IndyCar to basically just show off all their technology. So it was ah. super technology. It's a concept car. It was super technologically advanced in terms of the, the engine. Well, and we saw the engine. We know that. Yeah, game. all that, all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, it was designed to do like 300 kilometers an hour, right? I fully thought that it was a roll cage with an engine in it and then just a random body slapped on top. Well, here we go. So they made um, six copies yeah. for this film. Two of them were drivable stunt cars that yeah. were basically dune buggies with with the body on top. With the body on top, at least two of them were made to blow up. Uh, they made four non-drivable dummies <laughs> to to blow up um, that were destroyed during filming, and they used the real Dodge, the real car, for close-ups. And you can yeah. tell it's the real car because it's got a giant fucking Dodge written on the back of it. Right. Near the, uh, near the engine that is only in a couple of scenes. There are a couple of scenes where I feel like it feels more solid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they couldn't race the real the, the real car. Sure. They were allowed to borrow the real car and then they used. They, so when it like pulls up to of, the burger shop and places like that, it would be the real car. I noticed the, the, the giant Dodge at the end of the movie when it pulls up in front of Big K. There's a there's a beauty shot of the car and it just says Dodge like just in giant letters. It's not the, it's not a logo. It's not like a logo. It, there's just in white lettering on the back of the car. It says near the engine. I fucking totally miss that. Probably hard to see on the v- on the VHS. Uh, car's kind of legendary. Like so, there is obviously a, there's a subculture of people that like that get the molds of movie cars and then make and then make new ones. The molds for this car went missing for like for like 15, 20 years until a dude found them and started building replicas of this car. So now there's about six replicas floating out in the world. At least there was as of uh, the information I found was was a little bit older. So there might be more by now. So the, you can get a replica. The original car is in a car museum. 
Um, it would be cool if you could actually have tinted glass the way this car has tinted glass because, <laughs> like, it fucking looks like a spaceship. Yeah, it, yeah, totally. It's got this translucent thing. The the pace car version, the it also has a much redder look to it. The mm. copies are a dark, uh, like a more black, but there's a couple of shots where the car has like this almost red uh, glass kind of thing to the to the body. Um, and that's the real car. I love of, kind of voice tell. I actually love the racing scenes because it feels like a like high performance uh, uh, supercar versus, versus a, a racing a normal cars. racing car. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that's the car. And we'll talk more about the car throughout the, the throughout yeah, the, sure. the making of it. Um, uh, through the the making of it, through the through the, <laughs> the making of the podcast, podcast yeah. through the recording of the podcast. We are doing this, unlike um. We normally do this at about midday. We're doing this after, at the end of a long work week. Mm, Friday night. So if night. my flow is garbage, I, I apologize. But uh, suck it and why the fuck are you listening to this anyway? <laughs> don't listen. Don't like, don't subscribe. <laughs> um, last year, this movie got a new transfer. We got a new uh, HD transfer. So Ooh. it is available on Blu-ray and it's widely available on Blu-ray. And you can also just hire and hire it in HD on Amazon Prime YouTube and uh, and Apple and Apple TV, and it looks great. It's a good looking movie that we are once again watching in like the worst way to, to watch it. To watch so much movie. of it is dark too. So much of it is dark. Yeah. Uh, I watched it twice. I watched the VHS copy, but then I also watched it in HD because I wanted to watch it in HD. Before we dive in, uh, I'm going to be talking quite a bit through the podcast, doing some quotes from the director Mike Marlin. Yeah, great. Um, and what he said about the film. And all of that information was sourced from a Dread Central article by Steve Barton, uh, in which Mike Marvin was interviewed uh, in 2010 uh, for the 25th anniversary of the movie. So anything that you hear from Mike Marvin that's a direct quote is from that article. Um, and we'll link it in the description. In the footnotes? We'll put it in the footnotes. Uh, my main takeaway from the interview is that Mike Marvin is pretty confused about why people <laughs> like this movie. <laughs> Um, and why it became a cult movie. He seems very confused. Just that was my, my takeaway from the interview. He just seemed bemused in the, through the interview. And I'm reading his text, so maybe I'm just like uh, putting that on there. But literally, this is, a, this is a paraphrased direct quote. To be really honest with you, I don't understand why it became such a cult movie and why there are fan clubs all over the world dedicated to it. I mean, The Wraith is a strange movie. <laughs> For one thing, most people can't even say the title I'm talking. <laughs> they can't even say the title. If I'm talking to somebody and, and they say, what movies did you direct? I'll say The Wraith. And they always go, the what? The race? <laughs> I get a lot of that from people. <laughs> I mean, there really is a sort of fanaticism connected to this movie that doesn't exist with The Fast and Furious or The Crow or any of the others. But with this one, it does. I don't know if in 25 years they'll be talking about The Fast and Furious. And it seems strange to me that there are fan clubs out there for The Wraith that are still talking about it today. People are really obsessed with this movie. <laughs> he does seem like he's just, I don't know why. It's not. Okay. And uh, this interview is from 2010. We're fucking still talking about Fast and Furious because yeah. they're still making those fucking movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, I feel like The Crow has a cult following. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, The Crow definitely it has. It definitely a has a crow fo uh, cult following in this room. Yeah. yeah. It has like one of the biggest cult followings, does it not? Yeah. And I think that regardless of the cult following, that movie would be talked about forever because of what happened to Brandon Lee well, anyway. Yeah. 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 There is some weird. Um, Synergies between this movie that we'll, that we'll kind of talk about. In that about. sense? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into it. 
Um, <laughs> Just so the audience know, Kira and I looked at each other with wide-eyed um, shock. It, <laughs> it's not the only time he mentioned those movies in the interview. So this is, out of, this is out of context. But he goes, The Wraith was obviously copied in movies like Triple X and The Fast and Furious. But if you look at The Crow, that's definitely a copy of The Wraith almost beat for beat. <laughs> Mike Marvin's really interesting. The interview's really interesting. I also watched some 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 of the uh, DVD special features uh behind the scenes stuff. Then he's like, yeah, I stole from this movie and I stole from this movie and I took this from this. And then he's like, oh yeah. And a bunch of other movies stole stuff from me. So it's just, you know, like it's what people, people do. So that's kind of his his philosophy. So he's not, when he's accusing the crow of stealing his movie beat for beat, I don't think he's upset about it. He's more kind of amused by it. Mm. Two things. Fast and Furious, I don't think stole anything from him. It's just two movies that both have racing in them. Yeah, That's not stealing. That's, there the, is racing the, in the world or people sometimes race. Sometimes people do the same thing. Yes. Yeah. The Crow, I don't know whether it's beat for beat. and There is a lot of similarities. Uh, I, there is a lot of similarities and, like, I described it as the Crow with cars, but you I just don't think that I just. We don't get act one. I find <laughs> it hard to, because the Crow is such that movie with that yeah. look and that feel and that. Not the movie, though. The movie's based on a comic book. Well, the comic book didn't steal it from the race, did it? (laughs) I don't know. When did the the comic book come out? Well, I've got all that information for you. So James O'Barr, the creator of The Crow, started writing it in 1981, which is before this this movie came out. This is 1986, 87, depending on where you are in the world. But he didn't finish it and it wasn't published until 1989, which is after this movie came out. No one has ever asked James O'Barr. I looked. I really wish that somebody had just flat out said, hey, did you see The Wraith? <laughs> <laughs> right? But I couldn't, I couldn't find that. I feel they like it's probably. both prob- share a character name. Skank Ooh. is in both movies. Interesting. Both mm-hmm. uh, source material and, uh, and movies. I feel like. It is probably more of a situation where two people had the same idea at the same time. Yeah, actually, so because do I. that happens. I'm not trying to sell you that this that this movie. I know re- that happens because you've written scripts that have then turned into movies yeah. that somebody else made. Yeah. You've done that so many times. Yeah, I think so it's part I think of it's that part that of being a, it's part of being a writer. People it's just land of, on the same things. They're interested in the same concept, and then they've deep impact in Armageddon. Mm. Yeah, uh, things float around within within both uh, pop culture and kind of like just public public culture, right? Writers are tuned into those things. They either from different sources put the same dots together, and you end up with two movies that seem exactly the same. Yeah, it just it just happened. Um, yes, I have experienced that as a writer. There is a TV show that is on that uh, came out this year that seems very thematically exactly the same as the screenplay I wrote three three years ago. And that happens. Yeah. It and happens. it's obviously not that they stole it from me because why, how could they have possibly done that? It's just that writers land on the same concepts. It, yeah, I think it's entirely uh, coincidental. Yeah. Um, it would be I, weird if you felt differently. And I, <laughs> and, and I love both, both movies. Um, let's actually talk through the movie. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been already been going for a long time, so maybe we should talk through, talk through the movie. Straight up cartoon open. Yeah, um, yeah, we get a we get a kind of cold open arrival on Earth sequence for the for the wraith. Um, oh, is that what's happening? You can see I it. thought it was aliens. I thought it was just beauty shots of the car. I, it wasn't until like 15, 20 minutes into the film that I was like, oh, aliens have nothing to do with this film. 
<laughs> well, good, good, good to see that you're once again paying attention. So we get a bunch of basically we get a bunch of like streaks of energy uh, coming out of the sky into the desert, um, and they move across the desert, torching cactuses and going down like winding roads and mm. bridges and all kinds of stuff. Oh, you see, I think that I thought that that was like part of the, um, you know, like the. The movie studio logo type the titles. situation. You it was a part of the title situation. Yeah. Well, the titles on screen and then this sequence happens. Yeah, yeah, but I still just kind of thought that it was. I didn't necessarily see that as something that was connected to the movie I was about to watch. No. Anyway, okay. Yeah, I see why. So yeah, no, it's the wraith arriving on Earth. Ah. Um, and all those all those shots of the desert are like optical composites. So they're not, they're all like still photos or matte paintings and stuff yep. um, that have hand animated energy moving through them. And mm-hmm. I kind of love that, kind of love that stuff. In the HD version, you can just see that it's a cutout of a mountain. You also, <laughs> when they all like collide and make the car. They do. They the car is at larger at a, than the intersection. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scale up effect that they do yeah. where they just took a still photo of the car and just scaled it up, <laughs> dissolved over the top of the image of an explosion at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Of course, a crossroads. Um, the oh, there's, oh my God, there's meaning. Yeah, which is, you know, traditionally a place where uh, the supernatural can happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's the opening of the movie. And we get introduced to uh, the car. We get a bunch of beauty shots of the car. And then, of course, a space motorcycle, Ghost Star Vader, standing next to it, the Wraith himself. Mm-hmm. Um I love that. I really love the opening. It's kind of silly and it sets the tone and it's spooky and mysterious. And it gave me I like, like the score. Men in Black One vibe. Right. Yeah, which yeah. I love. I love the opening of Men in Black One. And then we get introduced to our road pirates. So we start with a with a, a souped up Daytona traveling down the desert at night while uh, Where's the Fire by Tim Feenan plays. Interesting way that they introduced the cars chasing them. Yeah. So it was they would have had to drive past these cars and it looked cool visually, but also when they were like, who are these guys? Yeah. They so would have seen them on the side of the road. Essentially they drive. Yeah. They're driving, they drive past a couple of them. And then there's also another car that is already, that is already following. Yeah. Them. So they're like laying in wait for, mm. for, for a cool car to drive past on this abandoned desert road. And they kind of pull out and, and chase. And then they lead them, they chase them into a trap where there's a couple of other cars blocking the road out of the Corvette, steps sweaty Nick Casavetti's in his mm-hmm. cowboy boots take a dude just taking stage straight away so that you know it's a western it's yeah. the, it's a gunslinger walking through the yeah. through the saloon doors we don't know the kind of gang's name yet but skank and gutter boy are as we kind of already talked about are instantly like really handsy yeah um with the girl who's in the who's in the car um Packard Nick Casavetti's character says that he's a nice guy but the game is pick Meaning the car or the girl. Why'd you stop me? What do you want? Well, let's just say it's pink. Oh, God. Forget it, pal. No way. I don't forget it. I'm a nice guy. With them? They think the title to your car might be worth something. So, yeah, I like totally... Um, he also says something else there. He mm. said, um, we want something pink. No. He, he says the game is pick. 
Mm, I don't know. I wrote that down. And I was like, that is a really fucking aggressive line. It's, I know that line. Okay. The line is the game is, the game is, the game is. <laughs> okay. Well, that's way the better. Ga- the game is pick. <laughs> thank is it, God. Your car or your girl. Okay. Thank God. It's not really that much better. It's kind of ends in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, ends yeah. in the same place. But like to have that line in a movie, even like modern day with an R rating would be heavy. Yeah. That's true. Um, Good thing it wasn't in there. <laughs> no. We get a nice uh, a wipe transition. It's the only fucking transition in the movie. I don't know why there's just one there. It just stood out because there's one wipe transition <laughs> in this movie um, to to them, uh, you know, ready, like like a drag race, ready to race. Um, Skank is drip- drinking some type of car fluid. <laughs> yeah, hydraulic fluid. Uh, I'm tweaking, dude. I don't understand how the game is the girl or your car. What do you mean? Because then wouldn't, if he picks the girl, doesn't he just give them the car? No. If he picks the girl, yeah, they just take the car. So does that mean he didn't pick the girl? So the deal is is that you race us or we take your girl. You race uh, us for the right to your car or we take the girl. There's okay. so many problems with this scene and that is one of them because that doesn't make sense. I understand the justification, but that does not make sense and that's a really good observation. Yes, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, it does. It's like you race us or we're going to take your woman. Yeah, but that's not what he said. He goes, the girl or the car, essentially. If you're saying he said yeah, it's the game pick. Is, the game is pick. Okay, well then that doesn't make sense. Well, then the guy shouldn't have picked to race. The guy should have just picked the girl and given them the car. <laughs> Which I don't I think he would have done I because see your he. Point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. He should have just given him the car, but he seems to care about his car. He does, and it. It's we can assume super, there's it's an kind explanation of like, you know, off screen. A, no. God no. <laughs> there's a wipe. Time has passed. A, yeah, time has passed. There, there was a negotiation. <laughs> they got lawyers involved. <laughs> a lot of contract law. I'm sure it's all above board. Definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the introduction of the um, of the gang, gang yeah. because it's just one of those scenes where you're like, I know the majority of people in this film are going to be wearing the same thing every single shot, even though days have Well, passed. that's just so that you can recognize Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I just love that. Yeah, I love they have multiples in, of the same outfit. Yeah, I love how in the world of universes, it's totally okay for normal human beings to just wear the same thing every day. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Packard's, two of Packard's goons, Oggy and Minty, um, grab the girl away from the guy and Packard lays out the stakes of the race. If he loses uh, and he runs, they won't want the girl back when he's done, when they're done. Um, yeah, that it's, was it's also super, a real fucking headline. Yeah, it's super gross. But it also just, it, we're setting up the who these guys are. Yeah. Rughead. That was a surprise, Clint Howard. Clint Howard, yeah. A real strong surprise. Wearing a, wearing a wig so that he looks like the main character of the uh, David Lynch movie, Eraserhead. Another lift. I wonder if that's why they called him Rughead. They, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Um, no, Mike Marvin, yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take this. Yeah. Uh, and we get our first We get our first race um, to an Aussie Osborne track, Secret Loser. Yeah, is this meant to be have some meaning about how he's actually a terrible fucking racer? No. Because he is terrible at racing. We, let's get into that. So Mike Marvin <laughs> in the interview uh, talked about how he had nothing to do with the music choices in the movie that was forced <laughs> on him by the by the producers who made a deal with a record company so they could make a make they could make a great choices. Um, and he talks about how 
um, he wanted like more score during to ratchet up the tension during races, but the producers wanted wanted rock music and stuff. There is no tension in any of the races. No, not at all. Yeah. But um, uh, and he kind of lost that battle, and in the end, he was mostly fine with it. He didn't think that anything added it. It didn't add to the movie at all, mm. which hard disagree. Um, <laughs> and he very much didn't want Ozzy Osbourne on the soundtrack, which seems like a personal grudge. Does <laughs> <laughs> that seem like a like a personal grudge? I really want the soundtrack to this movie on vinyl. It runs about three hundred dollars on eBay. Ooh, wow! Yeah, I've had my eye on one for for a, for a little bit of time, but yeah, oh, well, one day. the The cast stuff in this movie is mixed. Some of it's really good, and some of it's some of it's not, some of it's not. Mm. I really like the op- the first opening chase. It feels really fucking dangerous. I feel like it's the best race out of all of them. I think there's some stuff later that is. As good, as but, a as whole? A, but not as a whole. Like this mm. race feels really good. Feels uh, really good. This is probably time to mention that camera operator Bruce Ingram was killed during the making Fuck. of this movie. Ah. Later on in the movie, the races, as I said, they're kind of mixed. They get like pretty repetitive in terms of shot variety, yeah, and structure. And the reason for that is because all the car stuff was saved for the end of the shoot. They had scheduled three weeks. To do it, but on the second day, a camera car that was overloaded flipped and crashed on the mountain. Shit. Um, leading to the death of Bruce Ingram and one other crew member becoming a paraplegic. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really kind of bad. Mike Marvin says at that point they just wanted the movie to be over, so they shot all the um, car stuff in about eight days. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it feels like it, which is... It's for a car movie. There's the racing and the car stuff isn't great. It's mixed. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some really cool stuff in it, and I'll point out the cool stuff as we kind of talk through the talk through the movie. But as a whole, it is very repetitive, and yeah, it's all structured very similarly. And some the, of the reason the reason for that is because they had to do it all in eight days because somebody because somebody died, which yeah. is really fucked up. It's it's tragic. And as much as I always talk about my love of crazy stunt work and and like insane stuff no one should die on yeah. a movie set and and um uh it's unfortunately something that still happens today mm. um uh it's kind of really shitty in the one of the special features that i watched um there was a small section of mike marvin talking about the, talking about the accident he doesn't really go into particular detail but they do show a contemporary news article so i screenshotted it so that i could actually read the read the article and uh, it gets into a little bit more detail about the crash. And the truck, the, the camera truck overturned and um, forced the other two cars to come to a hasty stop. So the two stunt cars. No one from those two cars was injured. A camera assistant was thrown from the truck and landed 75 feet down a mountainside. Whoa. So this was like fucking full on. So for those in the world of metric, that's about 23, 23 meters. Uh, they spoke to, uh, in the article talks to a police officer who was in charge of the traffic detail that was in charge of, in charge of the production. And he said that investigators believe the truck was going too fast for the curve and it was top heavy contributing to it completely just losing traction. Fuck. The truck was estimated to have been traveling between 40 and 45 miles an hour on a curve that was designed for speeds of 25 to 30 miles per hour. Um, so it's metric. Uh, real fast. Okay. They're going yeah. real fast. They're doing so okay. like 80. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't do I don't do miles. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think it's something like 
Eight, so, our 80 to 40. Yeah. Mm. So the, uh, the camera assistant that got thrown down the mountain, is he the one that ended up as paraplegic? The article doesn't go into any more detail about that. It's it's actually hard to find out information about that kind of thing. It happened a long time, it happened a long time ago. Yeah. And yeah. I was just lucky, not lucky, but it's just the they dissolved to a newspaper article and yeah. my instinct was to press pause and read it because I was like... yeah. And then I screenshotted it, and, and then so we've yeah. got that information because I couldn't find any more information about it about it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, pretty shitty, but also explains why the car stuff is the way is the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, there's a reason why. Um, obviously, they've reused so many fucking shots because there are a lot of there's fucking a lot of reused shots reused, in this film. Yeah. Um, one thing about this sequence is that nothing matches. None of the lighting matches. Yeah. They go from they go from shot to shot. It shifts from being like pitch black night to there still being light on the horizon. And I think that there might even be a stuff that's like not quite day for night. Okay. Um, this is the only race that has tension though because it's not a superhuman racing humans. Well, you also, know? it's the beginning of the movie. You don't know what's going to what, yeah. go on. So, um, so the helmet thing, right? Yeah. We see a lot of George... Driving the car, driving his car with another car behind him, and doing actual race moves, which makes me think that George is a stunt driver. Yeah, because you actually see his face. His car is lit up. There's obviously a light in it, so that you can see his face to see that it's him driving. The same is not true for the cor- for the Corvette for Patrick's yeah. Corvette. You can't see the driver. Well, that's one hundred percent. I was looking at his face, and that's why I realized that the baddies are wearing helmets. Yeah, I, like, but but you also get like insert shots of Packard. You get where he's yeah, like yeah, poor yeah. man's process, or you know, like slow speed stuff where we see Nick Cassavetes with the helmet on driving, yeah, reacting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. which you know, insert stuff, uh, which which movies still do. Um, Packard drives the guy off the road to win because that's who Packard is. Uh, and then they head back so that Packard can um, uh, take take the car. <laughs> he calls them road pirates, which is how I'm going to be referring to them yeah. all the way through because R M eighty. And um, <laughs> yeah. and Packard uh, pulls his switchblade for the first time. He's going to do that a lot. It seems to be his thing. Uh, and George and his girlfriend walk home or just die lonely in the desert. It doesn't yeah. matter because we never see them again. But there is something said here I love that when he gets back and he's won the race, Packy goes, we have the car nice and legal. <laughs> like it's legal what they're doing just because they have the pink slip. It is legal because they have the pink slip. But they've also the just like works. held people to hostage and stolen their car. What's this dude going to do? Walk back into town and tell the sheriff? I mean, yes. He yes. knows their faces. We like, can talk about, about, about uh, how effective Randy Quaid is <laughs> yeah. as a sheriff later on in the movie. Um, but that's that's our kind of opening and our introduction to, to the gang. And then um, enter Charlie Sheen. Mm-hmm. So uh, as Head versus Heart by Stan Bush plays, <laughs> he wrote songs for the uh, Transformers movie, You've Got the Touch. Um, we see what looks like a straight road, but it's actually uh, undulating hills that mm. Charlie Sheen is riding a motorcycle towards us on, um, on his dirt bike in his double denim, with his Ooh, uh, yeah. with his with his chest open. I actually re- I've always loved this shot. This is a shot that kind of stands out for me because you're looking at something and it feels like you're looking at something that's straight, and then he just dips down and disappears from, yeah. from view. Um, it's yeah, just one of the it's more been repeated a lot of times. It's just yeah. one of the more memorable things from the movie. Movie was shot in Tucson, Arizona, um, but it's set in a, in a in a fake town in Arizona called Brooks, uh, and then there she is, Sherilyn Fenn, in in her cowboy boots, leaving her house as Jake pulls up 
to ask her if she knows the way to Crawford Dam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's what happens. That's, that is indeed what, indeed what happens. Uh, he's new in town. His name's Jake. She's into him straight away. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's Charlie Sheen on a motorbike with no shirt and just a vest. How are you not going to be into him? Yeah. Um, she offers to show him the way and just jumps on his mo- this stranger's motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Are you new in town? You're a complete stranger to this whole town? Let me jump on your dirt bike. Because it seems like a small town where everybody fucking knows everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but then she can't ride because uh, Packard rolls up in his Corvette behind. Uh, Packard is not her boyfriend. Um, and yeah, Jake, she says it right there. She's like, nah, not my boyfriend, yeah. but I have to go with him. And Jake rides off. She gets in the car with Packard and, J- and Packard instantly wants to know who he is. Um, he appeared like magic out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, fuck, they just laid on a... Eh? When he didn't really. He pulled over, like, it's not like he... There are times in this movie where that character just appears. This is not one of them. He yeah, literally just appears. Down the he just he just pulled up. He's he just a dude riding into town, clearly yeah. for the first time, yeah. who asks to go for directions, and then she's like, yeah, I will get on your motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like magic, not that time. No. Yeah. Uh, Packard is uh, jealous. He says that he says that the guy on the bike seems familiar, even though he only saw the back of him as he rode away. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. As soon as that happened, because obviously I know the title is called Wraith and I read the, the, the description last podcast, I was like, right, okay, so Charlie Sheen is the one that's dead. Spoilers. <laughs> Packard might have some trust issues um, because no. that he needs to work on. Um, he loves... Uh, Carrie and Carrie is his and he'll do anything to keep it that way. I mean, wouldn't you? Which is kind of sweet. <laughs> I wrote a whole runner about being on Packard's side and then we had a really in-depth conversation about how, how he's super rapey, rapey he is. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's going to work for you, no, mate. No, <laughs> it was the whole thing. I was going to be like, Carrie is toxic for him and not a right fit for him. And <laughs> I've got all these bits that I wrote and now they just seem highly inappropriate. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Packard is the original. I might make them anyway, but I just want people to know that it's it's in jest. Yeah. Kian is joking. Packard yeah. is the original nice guy. He <laughs> um, <laughs> He would have a great time on Twitter. Yeah, he would. He would love Twitter. <laughs> I don't understand why he keeps being like this with her. Because he's holding her hostage. He's a yeah, psychopath. He's, he's a psychopath and he thinks he owns her. Yeah, but he so clearly doesn't and she's made herself perfectly clear. Yeah, but he thinks he knows what love is, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's clear. Like he fully oh, thinks he loves he's her. He's fucking psychotic. Yeah, like and he thinks that's love. Mm. And, and it doesn't matter that she doesn't, doesn't love exactly, him back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just insanity. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Out at Crawford Dam as a wake-up call by Ian Hunter plays. Uh, Packard and Kerry argue as they arrive to the dam. Uh, yeah, Packard acts, basically acts like he owns Kerry. Uh, um, and everybody is scared of Packard. Like, that's the thing. Is like, he's basically, he is a pirate. He mm. is, he rules the sea. Yeah. If the sea is this town with an, with an iron fist and everybody's fucking scared of him. It's always strange to me when, like, these things are in movies because, first of all, this is America and people have guns. So, like, just shoot the fucker if you like. <laughs> if you really want to take someone down and you're that scared of someone, just get a gun. Yeah, but, but I mean, a, but the, not condoning that let's whatsoever. Not condone that. But what I'm saying is it's America and it's readily available. But second of all, he is not that tall, not that built. Like, surely there's someone bigger than him in this town. Randy, <laughs> Quaid, could, Randy Quaid could fucking take this dude. Mm, maybe. 
I just feel like surely a pack of dudes would beat up his pack of dudes. I think the problem is he has a pack of dudes. Yeah, so. he's got a pack of dudes. Yeah, he's but got there's, there's got to be more packs of dudes. Doesn't seem like it. I mean, watching the movie, there there isn't any others. Yes, yeah, true. I feel. I was like expecting when we saw the town. first get when we met them. I was kind of thinking that there might be more gangs because I felt like this was going to be. It is car, a theme. Car gangs. <laughs> it is a theme that there is a gang. Of, there is a diverse gang. And also, yeah, we're but, familiar with Fast and the Furious, which have car gangs. Yeah, I just was. I was expecting there to be an opposing gang. <laughs> there is not. There is not. No. Uh, there's a lot of big hair at that dance. A lot of big hair and a lot of um, a lot of like high leg lines on on swimwear. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's, it's very eighties. It's wonderfully eighties. Jake is watching Kerry and Packard and the gang. Uh, Minty's there and a couple of uh, a couple of other people. And um, we meet Billy Hankins, who introduces himself to Jake. Uh, he isn't welcome on the other side of the. The, the creek, the river there. <laughs> Which there's people on both sides that are not part of their group. Yeah, but he's not welcome over there. Um, if you ever need a burger, Billy can hook you up. <laughs> uh, he just offers that to strangers. He, he, also like, he he's wants like, a friend. He also <laughs> is like, oh, you're new in town. <laughs> Everyone seriously knows everybody in this, yeah. in this town. Um, we see that Jake's back is all scarred up with with uh, with. Knife slash yeah, knife, and we get a flashback, slashes. don't we? In a second, yeah. yeah. So Billy gives us a little bit of um, uh, exposition um, about Packard and Kerry and Billy's own dead brother Jamie, who used to date Kerry, um, and no one knows who did it. <laughs> no one knows who, who killed Jamie. Packard spots Jake and then has flashbacks to killing Jamie so that we know that he did it uh, with, yeah. the, with the rest of the gang. This is also, sorry, this is the point where I'm like, right, Charlie Sheen is the brother because it is a different actor. Char- uh, oh, it's a different actor. my God. There's a different actor playing. It looks playing so much like him. On the VHS, it's fucking impossible to tell who's who. I think but that it is a different actor playing wow. Jamie. It makes sense because if he looked exactly the same as he used to, there's no way his brother doesn't recognise no, him. <laughs> see, because I was watching the VHS, I thought it was him, but they hid his face a little bit to make it... To hide it from us. Yeah, but, but his brother to the would, audience... Again, his brother would just be like, oh, hey, Jamie, you're dead. I thought yeah. they were doing a thing where it was like kind of obvious to the audience but not to the characters. Mm. Did you guys notice the... Uh, the weirdness in the uh, in the flashback sex scene. Uh, it was extremely awkward, but I all mean, the sex scenes were. Did you not notice the weird see-through underwear? <laughs> yeah, you noticed the weird see-through underwear. I noticed they were wearing underwear. They're not meant to be wearing underwear. Ah, uh, right? yeah, that's it's. They're meant to be naked. Having I thought sex. they were just grinding. No, no, no. They're meant to be naked having sex. <laughs> Um, All the kissing in this movie makes me so uncomfortable to watch, by the way. Um, they're meant to be naked having sex, but the way that it's lit, you can see the see-through underwear the male actor is wearing so that he is not <laughs> naked in the scene. Yeah. It's one of the, this is one of those things where this is one of those things where it's just like stuck in stuck in my head from when I was a child. Like I remember my father like rewinding and go, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Why would he be wearing underwear? Because they can't be completely naked in the scene. Yeah. Because you've got two actors, right, yeah. simulating sex. So they're not- Both complete, very young. They're, well, they're, you know, they're adults. But the, you would, 
the way that's traditionally done these days is the man is wearing like a g-string thing with a Cod sock thing, with yeah. a right. sock that that you know puts his junk away right? right in this instance the dude is just wearing see-through underwear right. that should look naked on screen right but it's lit in a way that you, you can, can just see, see the underwear <laughs> right. it's odd lighting it's, it's really odd lighting well it's all shot red like so it's got that like yeah. flashback the flashback which thing. is that meant to be a flashback thing or was packard's, the room red packard's well who knows packard's remembering you know mm. The, everyone the, remembers it that color, though. The murder. Yeah, everyone does remember it. Even people that weren't there remember it that color. We'll what? get into that later. Okay. Um, now, looking respectfully. Oh, yeah. The red bikini. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. This is the moment as well where I was like, you're not just 80s hot. You're hot. Yeah, sure. <laughs> What's 80s hot? Because you know how it's like a different time and it's like, well, you're hot for the 80s. Like, you don't have a modern lens that's my fucking catchphrase but like if i had a modern lens looking at you right now i wouldn't find you that attractive but like no you're actually hot like right yeah okay yeah <laughs> i feel like i just debased myself in your eyes just saying no i just no more than you I, i'm just trying to understand no more than your new obsession with vincent d'onofrio <laughs> he is a fucking god yeah no i just didn't understand what that would mean an 80s lens for attractiveness. Yeah, because you know how it's like the style. Do you mean like I can see why people in the 80s would find you attractive? Is that what you mean by 80s? Yeah, but also like say with that trailer that we saw, the Women's Club, um, you know how they all had that 80s, very hard 80s style? And you're like, you're kind of 80s attractive. Yeah, she's she's a beautiful woman. I have such a ridiculous crush, crush on her. Um both physically and as an actress, I must say. I like <laughs> as her. a professional I like and her acting, not. I like her acting too. Looking respectfully. There's going to be a lot of looking respectfully. Skank and gutter boy show up to the damn blasting Motley crew smoking in the boys' room. <laughs> uh, their car's painted like a uh, like a World War II fighter jet. It's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the airborne thing on the side? Death from above. Death from above, yeah. yeah. And um, and it has victory markings on it. So when you, from World War II, when you would kill a plane, you'd put the flag of the nation that you killed. So there's victory markings on the on the car. Mm-hmm. There's four cars, three motorcycles, two wheelchairs and a dog. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Which is a nice little fun detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so those are the pr- things that that car has killed. Yes, I mean, the funny thing is, is Skank and Gutterboy are like the two that are just kind of redeemed and we get some kind of backstory on. Almost. They're the comic, they're, yeah, they're the comic relief. Say, they're but they're the much, fucking worst. They're so funny. They're the yeah. worst in Prince and Guildenstern. They're so yeah. I actually really like those. They're good fun. Like they're When dialogue. I say the worst, I mean they're, they're banter, the worst. Their banter cracks me, yeah. cracks me up the way that they talk to each other. They're like a fucking married couple. It's yeah. great. They, there is... Um, there's more stuff later. There is some serious homoeroticism in this in this movie, in this motion picture. And honestly, Gutterboy and and uh, and Skank act like a couple. It's amazing. Hmm. Bird is excited. There are some words that definitely oh, stuck yeah. out. Well, there's yeah, it's kind of part of that that, yeah. that kind of stuff. So Skank is uh is drinking some brake fluid, and it seems like it's a good vintage. Mm. That runner is. Great. Is it actually brake fluid? Is that what he's supposed to be drinking? Yeah. Definitely. Or is it just like really bad? No, something? it says brake fluid on the on the legitimately brake fluid. He swaps around because there's a scene where he's literally drinking hydraulic fluid as yep. well, and he calls it a hydro pump. Yep. Yeah. He's getting high off like off oils and. 
liquids that are associated with cars. Yeah. You know, like, like you would die from drinking that stuff, yeah, though, right? It's funny. <laughs> I mean, he's like to the tweak, extent that he does, he's like a you know a, a tweaker speed freak who gets his high from like sniffing glue, but his, yeah. his glue is brake fluid. Yeah, and he doesn't sniff it; he drinks it. He drinks it. Okay. Do you think that Gutter Boy does Skank's eye makeup? <laughs> it changes. It changes every it's now pretty, and it's again. Good. He like, is actually, such an interesting character. Well if you dig into who Skank it's actually is, saying, like his hair is unique, his makeup is unique. He obviously is like someone who is well. He's smart. He can fix cars. He has a creative flair because of his makeup. And and he's high all the time on brake fluid. He is. He is someone who actually, if you dig into who that person would, would be in that world, he would have an interesting story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Packard uh, jumps in the car with, with Skank and Gutterboy and he tells them to watch out for Jake and Billy around Kerry. Yeah. Um, and Packard pulls out his switchblade again. He seems really insecure about his place in the gang. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry and uh, and Jake float down the river a little bit. And wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Oh, no. sorry. Hold Continue. on, hold on, hold on. That's right. Jump we on need in. to go back to the car because some of the best lines in the movie come out while we're in this car. We okay. got uh, sure thing cockstacker. Yep. And we also have him, we have Skank hit his own brain and go, it's programmed in. They're the two mo- Well, that is a very 80s thing, I feel. It's programmed in, mm-hmm. but Cockstacker was a real odd choice, and it buys into your theme. The one that always stuck out for me was Duck Butter. I didn't there's even hear of, Duck Butter. There's a lot of Duck Butter around at the lake today. Oh, <laughs> yes, I did hear that. Which the context gives you the clue yeah, as to what they're yeah, talking about. Yeah. yeah, That's something that stood out from when I was a kid because it just really confused me. Like, why is there <laughs> duck, what is Duck Butter? <laughs> They're talking about he's talking about the women. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand the, the reference, women. but it's clearly a reference to the fact that there is. A I mean, you say anything looking. with that intonation, it's yeah. definitely going to be vaguely you know sexual and offensive. Duck butter. I could make a guess, but I'm not going to. Yeah, <laughs> it would be real. It would be real gross. We yeah. can we could describe it because we're boys and we have brains that work that way. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be real gross. Intriguing. <laughs> Yeah, it can. So that, now they're that, floating down. That line confused me as a, yeah. as a child. Yeah. So Carrie Carrie floats down the river, and Jake catches up with her. They do a little meet cute. Uh, yeah, the, they both the just rafts. randomly have the exact same floaties. Uh, I think maybe they come with the river. <laughs> you think someone's there hiring out floaties? Yeah, that we it's just a don't recreational see? area. Okay, like I imagine that the. Because I don't have a beach. Yeah, I mean it's also it's the believable. water. Also the water is about like fifteen centimeters deep. That creek is fucking beautiful. It is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I, I, watched, I kept wondering if it was like a fake set. That no, they no, put no. Together. It's a real. It's a real place. I watched a. Uh, I watched a thirty-five minute video today on YouTube where they visited <laughs> the locations from this movie. Of course, of course you did. did. <laughs> um, and unfortunately a storm went through there a few years ago and it's all kinds of fucked up now. It doesn't look wow. nearly as beautiful as it once did, but it's a real, it's a real place. Is okay. the water really that shallow or does it just look that like on? Film? Yeah. So this movie was shot in winter, which is, even though it looks like it's meant to be summer. So that is really cold. Oh, those um, poor actors. <laughs> and that river, that river gets higher after the spring thaw. Mm. Right. right? So with the video I saw, the, there was quite a lot of water. The water was like much higher. I've also seen photos of it where it's completely dry. So it's obviously it's fed by by, yeah. by snow water. Right. So, so they um, may have had to like snow water. put water in there. I don't necessarily <laughs> think so. I think that at that whenever they shot, which was which was in winter, there is also a, there is a car shot that I swear has like snow on the on the side of the side of the road. Like like could have been frost because in the desert at night you get that. 
Yeah, but it, it's a movie that was shot during. It was shot in de- January of 1986. Mm. So that is winter. winter. In the, it's the end Possibly. of winter in, in, the, in the US. Weird, weird thing. They started shooting on the 29th of January, 1986. Hey. Which is a day after my birthday. It is. Mm. A day after my fourth birthday mm. in US time. It's a weird conversation. Um, they're just like, they're just like into each other straight away. But that's the like thing. She like, just, she says, come past Big K Burgers after, after work. Yeah. I swear Charlie Sheen in every movie he plays, plays the most fucking brazen like ladies man. He just has confidence and can pick up any girl. It's just the character he gets chosen for every single time. Does but he ever play a role where he struggles to get women? Um, not from my memory. Then probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I also just think that the movie is taking a lot of shortcuts because it needs to. Yeah, definitely. And and he feels familiar. Because he's her ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, very true. Right. So the movie again, it's one of those things where we can talk about the meaning and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, there's narrative shortcuts that need to be taken for a story to yeah, be told. Hundred um, percent. And she also she says something along the lines of "You would get, you would have gotten along with Jamie." Yeah. Or does, I think is, that's or does the brother that's, say that? That's later later on. But it is her yeah. that says it. Yeah, but that would imply that regardless of yeah. the fact that he is Jamie. Yeah. Um. He's clearly her type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very similar to her ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Packard yells out for her. And um, he's also the only person who will talk to her. Carrie! Because <laughs> everyone's scared. Carrie! Uh, cut to Big K's Burgers as uh, Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love blasts. <laughs> uh, it's a fast food kind of drive-in thing where all of the car hops are clearly models on roller skates. I do yeah. wish that places still did the roller skate thing. Yeah, with, the, with, the little, with the little come out to the car with, with the trays. With the tray yeah. the I was, thing. It's one, again, as a kid, I was like fascinated with that shit. I was like, why don't we do that here? Why can't it's also the, the kind McDonald's. of thing that could have been brought back because of COVID, but unfortunately also, it was not. Also, skating's a big thing these days. Skating would be cool. And even mm. if you wanted to get rid of the skating, like I'd be fine with just walking out to the car and with the little things and it being like a hangout nah, the thing. But the, the skating is the thing. Yeah. Mm. One of it's it's just cool. Weird, just random aside that won't mean anything to either of you, but um, one of the waitresses is Brooke Burke who in the kind of late 90s, early 2000s was a big deal on the E! Channel. Um, she used to host a travel show called Wild On, where she went to like party spots all over the, all over the world, and I remember I remember her from from that. Um, she was only like sixteen when she made this movie, so she's one of the one of the waitresses that comes out. She's got a few close ups of her um, as she's delivering delivering food. Busy uh, Billy's working the grill, and it's yeah. busy. He's living the fucking life, surrounded by these girls, just him <laughs> on the but grill. But working working hard, the fumes are getting to him too. The fumes yeah. are getting to his to his brain, <laughs> and um. Then suddenly it's just after work. We just there's just a weird cut where they yeah. go from being like super busy. A lot to of weird cuts. Um, also, every single scene at Big K's, it's the same fucking extras. It's <laughs> the yeah. same people there the entire. Would have uh, been shot on the time. same day. Uh, the, the same bunch of days. Yeah, they would have mm-hmm. done all of that location in, in one go. Um, she's getting into Billy's uh, shitty car to get a ride home as Packard and the gang rolls up. Um, <laughs> he forces her into the car and threatens Billy. Packard says guy a lot. Hey, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he can't remember people's names. Yeah. There's there's some kind of fun banter. The, the, there's some fun kind of dialogue backwards and forwards. And Billy insults Oggie, who goes at him, but Packard pulls a knife on Oggie. This is the third time that he's pulled a switchblade on somebody. Packard wants to race Billy for his car. Hold on. This scene was fucking weird. So the confrontation between Billy and Oggie 
When Packard pulls Oggy off. Tells him to hold his water. When he puts in, when Oggy's talking, he's like, I'm going to cut your throat out. He's talking to Billy still, right? Yeah. Because so Oggy, while he's being held back by Packard, goes like, I'm going to fucking kill you yeah, or something Yeah, he's talking like to Billy. Yeah, yeah. He's yelling at Billy. So fucking weird. While Packard has a knife to his throat. Yeah. Packard deals with all conflict through switchblades. It was so fucking weird. Um, and then we hear it before we see it. The turbo interceptor pulls up. <laughs> Uh, they don't know what it is, but they definitely want to add it to their collection. Yeah. Um, Oggy tells Billy that he'll see him later, F-word slur. Yeah, very hard F-word slur. Yeah, so always really shocking to to hear in really how is. casual it is in, other, in, in movies. Yeah, because you definitely don't hear it anymore. No. Yeah. And what's really, like, it's it's a weird word to hear in movies and it always shocks me. I always forget that they say it in Bill and Ted. Mm, yeah. Yeah, Bill and Ted say yeah. it to each other. There's a scene where uh, Bill thinks, no, Ted thinks Bill has died in, when they're in the medieval castle and then mm. when he, when they find out that the other person's alive, they hug and then they recoil from each other and they say the F word to each other. Oh, that's awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, other movie awkward. That, the other movie that it always kind of blows my mind is Monster Squad. The kids use it in Monster Squad to talk about, no. it, talk about a teacher. Yeah, it's real bad. Um, problematic as fuck. Um, also, something that I found weird about this scene: they take turns racing. Uh, yeah, they seem to they seem to have a roster. Yeah, it was very weird. It's, like you'd just assume that one of them is the badass racer, or like they have a race car that beats certain other race cars. But they're like, it's be, my or, turn. Or it'd be about like who particularly wanted that car or something. Exactly. Not like. Well, they don't they, keep the cars. That's the thing. Yeah, they chop them. They, it's a chop shop. Yeah. Yeah. So um, spoiler alert for Augie, um, when he says he'll see him later, that's the equivalent of saying you'll be right back in a slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, they all roll out to, to because um, they seemingly know where the car is going, where the turbo interceptor is going. Mm. Um, they all roll out and we get some undercranked, Car footage. Did you notice how undercranked the footage was? Maybe harder, harder to spot on. What do you video. mean by undercranked? Yeah, see, I knew, I knew you were going to ask that question. Here's, a, here's, <laughs> a, here's an explanation. I I Thank you, sir. So um, it's the opposite of slow motion. Oh, okay. So you shoot. Some, oh, yeah, I shoot did at notice a lower, that. at a lower frame rate. And yeah. then when you play it back at 24, it looks faster than it actually is. Ah. See it lots in action stuff, lots in car stuff, and in some martial arts some martial arts movies so that the moves look faster than they actually do. Is that actually how you do. get that motion blur kind of effect? It has a choppiness to it um, when it's not done correctly, and there are other telltale signs. I was going to write that down as a note. I was like, is this sped up footage? But then I like saw it, is and it kind, kind of, of looks It is correct. kind of sped up. It is under cranked okay so there's and there's lots okay. of, there's lots of that um the you can usually tell a dead giveaway is when you see extras that are moving real weird okay Extra, if you see a person with some like a car that's under crank and a person the person is really jerky and too fast and the movie that i always think of is in terms of like it being really obvious is speed huh to get that bus to look like it's going 50 miles an hour they under crank almost all of the bus stuff in that movie. And there's a scene where they where the bus is um, next to a flatbed truck that has a bunch of SWAT guys on the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it pulls off right before it jumps over the bridge, it does the bridge jump. And as the truck with the guys pulls away, the guys on the the guys on the back of the flatbed truck are just like flopping around like inflatable men because it's because it's <laughs> undercranked to make the bus look like it's going for Yeah, cool. Packard is um, you know, uh, 
getting Oggy amped up to race this guy. Yeah. Tells him to tear him a new asshole. Yeah. And do him Oggy style. All right. I want you to tear this guy a new asshole. Do it to him Oggy style. Oh, you're right. There is a lot of there's like, a lot of like homo- undertone of there's homoeroticism. Of, there's a lot of homoerotic dialogue between the gang between the gang members. Fuck. I didn't even realize there's a lot of there's a lot of weird catchphrases now that I think about it. And also they like seem way too Oh, there's a couple of scenes later that I'm going to mention that they do seem like they're way too close Packard and Oggy. There's I feel like there's a tryst. Well, he's like, about to die, so not Oggy. Packard Oggy. Sorry, so sorry. Uh 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 Gutter Boy Skank. Skank and Packet, I feel like a little okay, too close sure. as well. Um, I just think that, as our good friend Jenna Maslin with the New York Times said, this movie is written in an alien language. It has the dialogue of this movie has a very distinct style to it. Like there is all kinds of weird words, and it it has a language a language to it, and it's got like lots of really funny dialogue in it. Is it good dialogue? Mm, that's up to the debate. But there is a lot of funny dialogue in this movie. You wouldn't be talking about. Lines like "I'm gonna burn this Iranian." <laughs> it's not. It's not Irani. It's Irene, which is a slang. Which is a slang word. Oh my god! I thought he said Iranian. Yeah, once again, Brody. Brody. <laughs> no, I was like, that's Iranian. so bizarre. No, Irene, like, what do you have against Iranians? Like, no, no, no. Again, it's just like a. It's just another slang word. Irene. Okay. Just, well, yeah. Does it have know. any meaning? Mm, uh, probably. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely Irene. Okay, and yeah. also I think this is the first introduction of their very elaborate handshakes that they have in each scene. <laughs> yeah, everybody's kind of got a little yeah, little, but little they business. have multiple. Yeah, different ones for different combinations <laughs> yeah. of people. Yeah, there are some. There are some. Um, I think they spend too much time together. Yeah, they're smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we get uh, the race of Augie and the Interceptor. They do some overtakes and a little bit of dueling. There's a um, there's a couple of like really cool like low. POV shots that are kind of impress- impressive and also there's a there's a low angle shot of Oggy's car where the lens is like so close to the ground like it's actually that's what I mean about like there's rigs there are shots and there are rigs in these sequences that are like really impressive and cool but they just yeah. don't add up to anything yeah they really don't and they're rep- and it's repetitive because they don't have the footage to tell a story so they're just trying to create stuff so you get like all the repeats of the POV footage and, yeah. and random shots of people of people in cars driving and stuff. Yeah. There is, I feel like, no tension, obviously, because we know that the alien car is going to win, the ghost car is going to win, but also because we can't have any shots inside with the people, like, giving us tension about the race. Like, the insert shots are there, but not with our hero. Yeah. Because he's not really our hero. Yeah, right. Uh, the Interceptor... Seems like it's toying with him and takes off, and they pass some cops who then give chase. Um, Oggy goes faster to catch up, and then uh, boom, the interceptor is parked across the road, and Oggy slams into him. And they explode. They triple cut that explosion. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so something for the editors. Um, that's a classic technique to to extend an explosion. That's used in a lot of eighties action cinema, like mm. lethal weapon. They think there's a, there's a couple of triple cuts and of explosions and things. Oggy's car not exploded rolls off a cliff and then blows up like it's fucking made of gasoline, which is not yeah. the ideal way to build a car. <laughs> there's a couple of flash frames in there of Oggy's, Oggy's face. So there's a little bit of t- like technique. There's a little bit of an attempt to kind of do something. The uh, interceptor glows back into existence and then tears out before the cops can show up. Yeah, um, I love I love the concept of how he's killing people. He fully just suicides every single time. And then just and then just and it's reforms. Comes, re- I love reforms it. Yeah. And comes, comes back. 
the cops kind of have a little bit of dialogue and they need to call the meat wagon. Uh, again, just a little dialogue thing that stuck out at me and call Loomis. Uh, Loomis shows up, Randy Quaid, cowboying into frame to talk to the uh, the road pirates. He's been waiting to catch them in the act. Randy Quaid, he's looking good. Yeah, he's young in this movie. Yeah. He's young and he's not like... I mean, just, he never really looked good. He has a thousand gaps in between his teeth and stuff. Uh, but he know, doesn't look all bad. all kinds of beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. That's mm. what I'm getting at. Sure. <laughs> um, and again, some like some really fun dialogue. Uh, Packard, congratulations, you caught us talking. There's no law against that unless I've got my wires crossed and you caught us speaking without a permit. Congratulations. You caught us talking. There's no law against that, is there, officer? Unless, of course, I got my wire crossed. And you caught us speaking without a permit. Clam it, wise guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not good dialogue, but it's fun dialogue. Yeah. Like, it has a style. This scene is the scene that I realised everyone's having a fucking ball filming oh, yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think the cast had a good had a good. Yeah, time. like, you can tell that I paused it at a certain point and you can tell Randy Quaid's, like, looking at uh, Packard just, like, smiling while he's doing his yeah. line. The Wraith is watching them from up on a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, Packard wants a lawyer and the guest of the ring won't, gang won't talk. The meat wagon rolls up. Yeah. The other cops get Loomis to come over and look at Oggy's body and he's intact except for his missing eyes. Yeah, that never Clean gets a payoff. Like he came out of a hot tub. No, it doesn't. It was very strange in this scene considering how close, overly close this gang is that none of them seemed upset that their friend died. They don't actually know that Oggy died yet. But even when they yeah. find out, they don't like... They don't give a fuck. They don't... There is a little moment. Skank does. There is a little moment between Gutterboy and Packard where Gutterboy says Oggy Fisher and he's like, Packard's got his arm around Gutterboy and gives him like a little hug. Yeah. Right. Like a couple of seconds later, there's a scene where he goes, it's no big loss that we lost Oggy. But there is a moment of tenderness between Packard and, and Gutterboy right. that is actually like, it's just strange. And mm. it's it stuck out to me because it doesn't make sense with then Packet's behaviour through the through yeah. the yeah, and there there is um, Skank has a moment with Oggy before the race, and then after the race, you do get a shot of Skank going like, oh, like yeah. I'm sad, yeah. yeah. But they don't actually know who died first. All they know is that somebody crashed, right? They don't so know they that it's Oggy. They kind of assume it's the other guy. They, yeah, they do. And then after Loomis has seen the body, he comes over and says, "It's Oggy. It's Oggy Fisher. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have seen what I just what I just saw." Mm. Mike Marvin's kind enough to give us an explanation. For the eyes. Ah. Yeah. There are two reasons behind that. Firstly, it was kind of like St. Elmo's fire or the strange way that lightning strikes and burns everything around it. Sometimes the most obvious things remain intact. In this case, it was completely the reverse. The cars would go down in a fire inferno and everything inside would melt, but the bodies would be untouched. I don't know if you've heard anything about when bodies spontaneously combust, but everything around them is fine. Again, in the Wraith, it's the reverse. Everything around these guys burns, but the only thing on their bodies that burns is their eyeballs. Now, that being said, the second part of the idea is that the last thing the bad guys see before they die. If you notice the way I structured the collisions is a bright flash. There's always a flash frame in there. And that's what happens. Car gone, eyes gone, body intact. Makes so much sense. Okay. Does it? Fuck no. That makes zero sense. My, as I said, my takeaway was that Mike Marvin is confused about why this is a cult movie. I think Mike Marvin is confused about what the fuck is happening in his yeah. movie. 
Um, Whereas last week, I feel like that guy was a hustler and knew how to get everything done. I feel like this just was lightning in a bottle and he somehow captured it. I Yeah, I think he accidentally made a, made a cult movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody accidentally makes a cult movie because yeah. no one goes out of their way to make a cult movie. But I think that the fact that this movie has endured this long and that people still talk about it. because He doesn't movies, understand why he's still he, being he asked not, questions about this. He has no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, have we... It's the scene where where the wraith is on the rock looking down that we see one of the braces disappear down. Yeah, so that's what I was going to talk about next is as he's still watching, we see uh, one of his metal braces glow away. Again, no fucking explanation for this shit. Again, Mike Marvin offers an explanation. Fantastic. I didn't write down the quote for for that because I didn't just want this to be, you know, me reading this interview aloud for the entire time, (laughs) the runtime of this podcast. But what he talks about is the fact that the wraith is growing, growing in his power. So the braces, because he was he was killed, right? He yeah. needs the, they're all like braces holding him together, and then and as the, he kills, he gets and stronger. Then he kills, he gets stronger. <laughs> so the braces disappear. Oh, that's so bad. I think my version makes sense more. I, I was thinking that they're like the shackles to this world. You know what I mean? And like they're yeah, the things that are shackling him. Oh. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, honestly, that makes no sense. Guys. Honestly, I almost kind of wish I hadn't read this. <laughs> there's, a, I, I don't know whether it's this crash. So feel free to tell me to shut up. But there's something disappears from the crash site. Oh, like that's a, piece a brace. Of metal. Or something. Yeah, that's one of the that's braces. One of the braces. braces so la- in a crash later, one of the braces was on the ground and it, and it disappears. disappears from there. In the barn in explosion. This, yeah, it happens a couple of times. It also happens after uh, Packard. Ah, okay. As well. But uh, in this instance, it, it disappears off the wraith's body. In the other ones, it's on the ground in the debris of the cra- in the crash. But it right. happens a few times throughout the, throughout the movie. See, I didn't catch that they were braces. Yeah. I thought it must have been like part of his car or something. Yeah. yeah, that's something that, again, watching with my father as a kid, like my dad was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that he's getting more powerful because he gets fucking outlandish later towards the end of the movie. Like his powers just like come from everywhere. Oh, his powers are kind of confusing. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about, about some of the things that he pulls off. Yeah. Um, Loomis tells the road pirates not to leave town. I don't think going anywhere. I think they really like it here. Uh, yeah. Packard talks with Rughead about some car nonsense. Car talk. And the race, the, the races are getting too equal. And um, Yeah, wait, wait. <laughs> they talk about things that are fucking irrelevant to this movie. They're not. They really are. They come back. Yeah, they come back. But they're even when they come they're back, they're useful. fucking irrelevant. They are. <laughs> I think it's to try to make them seem like they know about cars and stuff. But, yeah, it doesn't really. I feel like it's an explanation to go, why is Packard struggling to win these races or why are these people struggling to win oh these God. races? Yeah, I don't think that, again, I don't... There's that much thought put yeah, into it? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, again, thought, care. Yeah, you know? yep, yep. In the Corvette, um, Kerry's crying and Packard is not broken up about it at all. He's still pissed off with Billy. And then we get, <laughs> yeah, this again from from childhood, like this actually, like it, this hurts me. Like I, it's hard to watch. He pulls his switchblade again. Again, this is now the fourth time, and cuts his own hand, um, telling Kerry that they they're you know like blood brothers. Yeah, which is weird. you and me, we're like we're like blood brothers. I 
guess you could call us blood lovers. You know what it is? He is, he must be very confused and he feels like he has a love for Kerry and like this I is where it's I just don't think going. they communicate well. I think they're talking past each other. <laughs> <laughs> told you I wrote bits. I think he's toxic. But like he fully just blood hand puts it on Carrie's mouth. Well, he tasted himself and then tries to get her to taste it. But if you watch it, she turns around and opens her mouth because she knows the cue is coming and it looks so awkward. There's blood on on her lip, yeah. Um, We learned that they've never made love. Um, Yeah, and have they never had sex or have they never made love? she She says, I've never made love to you, which implies that they maybe have had sex. But Yeah. yeah, Which plays into the whole rapey vibe. Again, super dark. Yeah. yeah, I think it implies that. In my sure. innocent mind, I was like, oh, she's withholding from him. Good for her. Yeah. Which I, think, I doubt it's probably no, what's happening. Yeah. I think if it wasn't for the other scenes where he, we've seen him be rapey, I would have felt the same way. Yeah. Mm. But because of how he's acted, with, I find it hard to believe that he hasn't overpowered her at some point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really fun. But again, up. this movie's a fun time. Yeah. There are moments of very dark. Yeah. Very dark moments. Yeah. In the car, because they were sitting so close to each other, I was really hoping for Cheryl and Fenn to take the knife and stab the man in the mm. leg or something. Yeah. Mm. We're, we're, the movie's like real early. Yeah. Um, back in the garage uh, at their chop shop, uh, Rockhead is working on the digital radio killer. <laughs> what even is that? Well, it gets explained a little bit later. Um, That's it though. And uh, Darth Vader is walking towards their garage. <laughs> Talk about fucking lips. You can just hear the breathe. The, there's the bre- POV shot and the breathing as he's walking towards the garage. And the, the breath sounds just like Darth Vader. Packard talking shop with the boys, uh, putting some positive energy into his business. There's a distraction from his relationship problems. Yeah. You need to have hobbies outside your apartment. <laughs> What is the chat going on in there? They seem they're just super talking about positive. they're talking about chopping cars and and um, there's a Minty talks about selling parts to a dude and getting a guy to pay more pay more than they wanted. Minty's got this whole vibe going on with his banker hat, his banker, yeah, uh, his translucent uh, banker hat. And um, I fully a, don't even remember Minty and who he's that the guy is. in the letter jacket. Yeah, he, he's also got a he's also got a Wall Street Journal tucked into his pants. <laughs> nice little bit of detail. He's obviously the money guy. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Wait. Pause. Why are half your notes written in one direction and the other half written in the other direction? You keep having to turn your book upside down every time you turn a page. I'm so confused. I accidentally wrote a page of notes upside down on the wrong page and now I don't know which way I'm turning. Oh, my God. It seems to be ever. It's not one page. It's multiple pages. That's where I've come from. This is where I am now. I've done that one, so I'm turning this way. Continue. It's very concerning. (laughs) Um... The Wraith makes a very dramatic entrance because he's a messy bitch that's all about that drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he just fully boldly walks up with a fucking shotgun. shotgun. Yeah, and it's all the the shot of the double doors opening and then he's all like, there's smoke and it's all backlit. It's like it's like catnip for me. Yeah, It's yeah. completely my jam. Um, and it's not a regular shotgun either. It has LEDs flashing all the yeah, way down a, it. Yeah, it's a techie ghost shotgun. Yeah. That has like, <laughs> yeah, so lights moving it. Um, uh, this is where I was still like a little bit like maybe he is a bit alien. Yeah, there's a reaction <laughs> shot as after he break he comes through those doors. There's a reaction shot of Packard and Minty where they just don't react. 
Mm. Like they haven't seen the thing is they've seen the car, but they haven't seen this dude. And this dude just kicked open their door with a shot with a fucking yeah. ghost tech shotgun thing, and they don't even react in the slightest. Packard has some fucking balls on him throughout this. Scene. Oh yeah, That's totally. All I can say. Um, Rockhead, Skank, and Gutterboy are freaked out. Rughead makes eye contact with the wraith and has a flashback to, to Jamie's a scene murder where he should not be. Is this what you were talking about? He wasn't there. Yeah, he's not in that scene. Later, <laughs> yeah. they talk about the fact that he's that he wasn't involved with Jamie's murder, which he is why drove he drove the went, car. Yeah, he didn't know the body was in the car, so yeah, yeah. like I'm to drive the car. But he has a flight. Like he, so does the wraith give him a flashback? So this is a must thing. be because the other thing is he's wearing a helmet. Like it's not like you would recognize the guy. But like, there, there is, is a, a flash. There's a flash of his eyes. Yeah, and uh, I was like, yeah, is he helmet. giving him a vision or something like that of his eyes yeah. so he knows whose it is? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's giving him that flashback of something he doesn't remember. Yeah. The Wraith proceeds to blow the shit out of the of the uh, the chop shop, never reloading. Yeah. Never, it's a ghost gun. It's a ghost gun, ghost bullets. Um, he blows up the engine that they were talking about. So they were talking about yeah. like a souped-up engine and he blows the shit out of the um, Yeah, he fucking shoots all the car's engines. Like yeah. literally none of them should be able to work in the next like day. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. Um, uh, Packard's pretty chill throughout. He's yeah. got bigger problems. He fucking just stares down this fucking vengeful ghost with an alien shotgun. It's best to focus on the things you can control. <laughs> like, like, the, you. like the woman that you have madly in love of. with. Yeah. Yeah. Told you I got bits. Inappropriate <laughs> bits. I know that they're not appropriate. I'm making a joke, you motherfucker. Also, maybe it was Minty. I didn't know the dude's name, but he goes to jump over a table and just jumps straight into a shelving unit or something like that. Really? Yeah. He like fully Isn't that means- like Rockhead or Skank? I don't know who I it is. Minty is no, the guy. No, it's not Skank because he ends up in the roof. Skank's in the roof. Yeah. It might be it might it might be gutter, gutter Boy or Rugby. Maybe Gutter Boy, but like someone's hiding behind a car. Because and Packard don't move. They just stand there the whole the whole time. Because uh, someone, someone's standing behind a car and then goes to jump, but there's like something on top of a toolbox yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's Rughead. Yeah, okay. Well, or Rugged stunt double. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Skank Packard, who was that guy? Skank, I don't know, but he's weird and pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are fucking cool. And these guys... Dead set, this is a point where I realized that these guys are the heroes of the fucking film. They just lose. Yeah. Um, that line is a direct steal from John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> it is too. Fuck. Mike Marvin. Yeah, we stole that line. I love that movie. When we shot that scene, Dave Sherrill, skank, yelled that out. <laughs> and I don't remember if it was in the original script, but it was something else. <laughs> this is the part of the movie where I was like, Charlie Sheen hasn't been here in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. When the scene finished, I was like, wait, it's been a while since we've seen like the star a, of this movie. A, a little while. When we get to it, we will talk about exactly how long it's been because this motherfucker pays attention to time. I think it would have um, benefited from having some sort of reaction scenes from Charlie Sheen pretending like he didn't know what had happened. He is the or star asking of some this questions. Movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh he's my God. the he's the name of like He's the first name. Mm. Yeah. I think just like one or two more scenes with him and, and is it Billy, the brother, mm. to just kind of keep him alive in the film Yeah, would have been helpful. But they only have one interaction. Yeah. Two I feel interact- like they have two interactions. I feel like they the should have 
more than It'd be that. great to have like some hero moments of doubt or anything like that or heroes or moments any of kind like, of characterization yeah, for character but they can't because he's than, a wraith other than uh, wanting his girlfriend back yeah um, like he doesn't give a fuck about his brother I assume he has parents doesn't give a fuck about them he only cares about his girl <laughs> I mean, he's a ghost. We don't even get a justification for why the fuck is he's he, racing. Is he, <laughs> is he a ghost? Well, he's corporeal, but... We don't know. We don't know. And perhaps Mike Marvin can explain to us. Can he? He can, but I'm not going to get to it yet. Okay. Ah! Uh, saving it for later. Tease him. Tease him for the podcast. If you're still listening, what the fuck are you doing with him? <laughs> uh, the Boneyard. I was fucking obsessed with this place as a kid because it's, it's, it's a graveyard for planes. Um, and it's a real place, and it's in other movies uh, in Arizona. It's right next to the Davis uh, – I'm going to fucking mangle this name. I'm just going to do it. Uh, it's right next to Davis uh, Monthan Air Force Base. The movie didn't film on the base, but it filmed in a smaller private boneyard across the street from the main one, the Air Force's one. In that boneyard are thousands upon thousands of decommissioned Oh, so it doesn't just planes. look like that place. It's it actually it is, is that, that place. place. Yeah. yeah. So it's where they it's where they send like old B two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Sky Fortress bullshit, right? Yeah. Um, the reason that they send them there, there's stuff dating there dating back to like World War Two. The reason that they send stuff there is because it's so dry. There's no humidity. Things don't fucking rust. Oh, that Interesting. Makes sense. So and they can then use planes for for parts or recommission planes if the if the if the need arises. There's a couple of movies that are filmed there, like yeah. Con Air and shit, haven't haven't they? Um, Con Air, I think they built a they they shoot on a runway that was purpose built that has a similar vibe. Okay, but um, there's an '80s teen movie called Can't Buy Me Love that has a, a date that happens there, which, okay. is, which is really cool. Again, that's a that's an image that's stuck in my head. I didn't know they were the same place when I was a kid, but those two things stuck in my head. And Transformers Revenge of the Fallen shot there as uh, well. Yep. There's a scene in that movie where they are inside the Smithsonian Museum yeah. and then they and go they, out a set yeah. of double doors <laughs> and they have teleported across the fucking country yeah, to the yeah, boneyard yeah. in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. It's like Wonder Woman, how they're at the museum and then there's a runway. Uh, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Ah, you don't watch superhero movies. No. Um, uh, I did watch Wonder Woman. I don't remember what happened. I, bl- I blacked out, honestly. Sure. Um, Loomis is there to talk to about to talk to Skank and Gutterboy who work there. They have day jobs apparently. He pressures them to tell them who was in the other car and Skank is once again drinking hydraulic fluid. That, this there's is not much- where we get some kind of characterization for Skank and Gutterboy though. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we find out that like he's an engineer essentially like self-taught you can assume from his uncle. Mm-hmm. And he tears he, cars apart, uh, planes apart, and bits yeah, and pieces. yeah, that's yeah. his day job. He has a day job, and he actually could have been. Well, they just do a little bit of work for him for some cash, so yeah. they can buy fucking hydraulic fluid to drink, yeah, or whatever the fuck else is going on. Back at Big K's, as uh, those were the days by the honeymoon suite place. Uh, <laughs> Loomis does not like pickles. What a fucking monster! Um, and he watches as Packard and the rest of the road pirates kind of ride, ride up. Skank and Gutterboy. I haven't been able to find the wraith. There's another F word slur. There's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of ass talk about getting into asses. I tell you, it just stood out. Again, seen this movie maybe a hundred times, never noticed the uh, homoeroticism. Packard tells uh, Kerry that he'll pick her up later. Goes to get in his car to leave, and there is a note in his car from Magic the note. wraith. <laughs> yeah. Magic note. Ghost note. Yep. Ghost note. 
Yep. Uh, telling them where to find him. Super convenient. Uh, and they roll out. Loomis calls it in, dumps his food, uh, and then we get our second Wraith versus Road Pirates race, mm-hmm. this time against Minty. As the Turbo Interceptor rolls up, Packard goes to shoot his shotgun at the Interceptor and um, and Skank stops him before he can shoot before he can shoot the car and the shotgun goes off into the air. Um, he doesn't think it's a good idea to do murder in front of Rughead. Just the felony Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. That was I thought that was because the cops were coming down and he saw the cops or something. No, it's because because Rughead is there and they think that Rughead is weak and will talk to the and will talk to the cops. Which well, like he's ended up being correct. He end up being correct. Yeah. yeah. Don't do like, murder in front of Rughead. Yeah, give us a little bit of lead up to that. You know what I mean? That kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, the whole movie comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, um, did, true. The the interceptor pulls up. Digital radio killer. Um mm-hmm. if he tries to run, they can zap his electrical system. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, ghost engine. Ghost engine. <laughs> with hand animated lightning. And Rughead it's, sees this yeah. and that's probably why he has some insight into it being like this is also otherworldly. Because, also because the Wraith gave him a vision. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah, like, seeing that it's, yeah, I don't know how he does. Did, did, why didn't he tell his friends for starters? He does actually He does actually tell them to do it and Packard tells him to hurry up. Um, but this is the thing in movies and film that I always fucking in movies and TV shows that I always fucking hate. Like when someone sees something or something happens that is so oh. fucking amazing, and then they don't communicate. And it And then to they somebody. don't communicate. It fucking kills me. I mean, there are movies where that annoys the shit out of me. Like where we could have just solved this real quick if we had a exactly. five second conversation. Again, movies need to exist within a world where they can make their narratives work, and so people I think take the, the thing is, is that I feel like the narrative would still work if he told if he's like this engine is crazy, totally. and the others but, would just be like, and also we want uh, the crazy that scene engine. is fucking yeah. unnecessary completely. Like, well, I'm surprised why the Wraith was willing to do it, I feel well, like. Well, because yeah. not, he knows it's not going to do anything, maybe. Uh, yeah. but, but also, like, the reason, the narrative character reason is because Rughead starts to believe that it's a Wraith and nobody else believes him and then he can explain what a fucking Wraith is. Mm. Right? Ah. And Packard, Packard, like, is, it's just a kid in a car. Yeah. Packard keeps on saying it's just a kid. So that's the narrative. The narrative reason. Now, the logic of the scene on its own doesn't make any make any sense, and he should just be like Packard, like fucking come over here and look at this shit. But he just had a vision of something that he wasn't there for. We don't even need that scene. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing that it's the correct way to tell yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. explaining what the story pieces are and how they fit to get they fit together. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Not no defending, doubt, I'm not no defending doubt. the choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, and yeah, I guess there's probably some lingering uh, questions about uh, about the what the wraith is and and how he got such a bitching car in in uh, the afterlife. Yeah, as I mentioned, Mike Marvin. <laughs> oh yes, had this to say. I always envisioned envisioned him. I feel like I should be doing like a um, old school raspy director voice for Mike Marvin, but uh, not an old-timey news person. We're a little far into the bit for me to be <laughs> adding, adding wrinkles. Um, I always envisioned him as emerging out of a sort of secondary dimension or reality, but I never saw him coming back from the dead as a ghost. I always thought he was a dimensional crosser, so when he was killed in the first place, instead of going into the abyss or the darkness or the void or whatever, uh, he goes to a place where he is literally able to cross dimensions. Originally, my idea with the Wraith car was instead of using a steering wheel, he would reach into the dashboard and then we would cut to the inside where the engine was and he would be in out of space. 
His hands would be sort of through the firmament and he would control the car almost like some kind of electrical connection. That was the idea. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm so glad that they don't explain it. Oh, but where is that film? I want to watch that well, fucking film. I don't want to watch that. No, I want to watch a dimension hopper that comes back from the dead. imagine that they just cut the to the inside rad. of the car and it's just Charlie Sheen floating in space? <laughs> like with his, hand, with his hands uh, yes. like manipulating some type of electrical current? We may get some tension the then. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to shit on a on another creative, right? or writer-director because one day I will hopefully be the one that's being shit on. But <laughs> I got, got, got real weird. Um, phrasing, they got real weird. Phrasing. But, uh, but Mike Marvin is fucking insane. Yeah. Like a cat. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like a fox. Um, yeah, no, his vision is great. I just wish we saw that. I don't wish we saw that. I love mental. I love mental visions. I, I, lo- I think that there are movies where that would work. I think if you had that in this movie, it would be too much. But think about it. It's already campy and ridiculous. So at least we would get facial reaction shots to build tension in the race. I don't yeah, think that it would play like that yeah, if he's floating in space be, and playing yeah, it with. It depends on the execution as and always. And also 80s it's, graphics. It's, yeah, Can you imagine how horrific that would look? Yes, it would look fucking hilarious. Which know, wouldn't I, ha- I add to the tension. <laughs> how would be... that add to the tension? Well, I mean, it's if better just, than nothing. Yeah, but then you're just laughing at it. Yeah, but we're laughing anyway, really. That's our personalities. Mm, agree to disagree. Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad that that didn't happen. There are movies where maybe, but no, I'm glad that that didn't happen. And I, yes, I agree. Let's just not have that explained. I feel like I've definitely seen that and it's been like, this is terrible, but it narratively made sense. Maybe. <laughs> the cops show up in their bolt. Yep. Uh, and we, we get the sweet tunes of Lion playing Never Surrender. I actually really like this song. This song is like... Good fun for a, for a chase. Um, we also get the exact same yeah. passing scene. Yeah, they pa- they pass the exact same red car, mm. but it's not the same shot. Oh, yeah. So we see it in a, in a, it's a different shot. I because I watched the movie twice. I tried to pay attention to that, and it's the same piece of action, but it's not the same shot. Interesting. Yeah, but it is the exact same red car sharp. on Very the exact same piece of winding hilltop. Yeah. Um, again, the race looks like stuff looks really dangerous. Nothing matches. One second they're on flat desert, and then they're going up a winding a winding yeah. hill. Um, there is a cool side rig shot off the side of the interceptor, like it's looking down the interceptor. Minty comes from behind and gets kind of like real real close. It's just a, it's just a sweet rig. They do repeat the rig um, the, uh, later, um, and it's even, and it's even better. Okay, a ton of the POV stuff is just reused footage, so that yeah. that stuff is is reused, and the um. Again, some cl- some crazy low angles that are that are kind of good. The race pulls the exact same trick, takes exact off, exact same kill. Uh, yeah, Minty runs into him and explodes. And there is some world class expressionistic avant garde editing happening. Did you guys notice? You guys probably. What are you just pointing out, out first? What do you mean? Just the way that the crash is edited. I mean, it is edited weird. I don't know what you're specifically pointing to. I'll break it down for you. In the space of about four seconds, they, for starters, um, you can just see the explosive set up, set up underneath the interceptor. Fuck off. That's yeah. sharp. You That's can see well that, done. You can see that it is a shell standing on a stand. It's yeah. not even standing on real wheels. 
Yes. You can just see the like the explosives and the sandbags for like all the cannons and shit just yeah. set up underneath the car. If you freeze frame it, right? Um, or if you've got fast eyes. Yeah. I got fast eyes. Um, <laughs> the sound of the explosion starts before the cars hit each other. Nice. Um, they double cut the first explosion. They cross the line and double cut a completely different explosion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. This is literally in like four seconds worth of footage. It, this cut is insane. It is so clearly an editor trying to make something that does not match and create a sequence out of it because they had to rush all this shit, right? Minty's car comes out on its side, rolls onto its roof. There is a cut where the car lands on its wheels again. They cut to another explosion. There's three frames of a close-up of Minty's car driving. It's a, there's this whip pan in the middle of it. Yeah. It's just like extreme close-up on his car. They cross the line again. Minty's car is driving. It hits a rock face and blows up again, and they use three different angles of the same, of the same crash again. This is all in four seconds. It's insane. The last Fuck angle, yeah. the last angle, the one that they hold on at the end of the sequence... The car's obscure and the explosion is obscure behind a tree. It's a fucking terrible shot. Like, it's just a horrendous piece of shot selection. <laughs> it is a fucking bizarre explosion, but, well, did you obviously go through this frame by frame? I didn't go frame by frame. I I paused and played to very quickly, like, frame advance. Basically. I remember thinking that was fucking dirty. Yeah. I thought about putting it into a a piece of editing software to look at it actually frame by frame, but yeah. I felt like that might be taking things a bit too far. <laughs> never. <laughs> they can never be taken too far. Another brace glows away. The interceptor glows back in and then takes off. Um, but the cops have set up a roadblock on a bridge and they trap the interceptor. There's some fun um, hand-drawn uh, electricity animation around the trap yeah. interceptor. I love that shit. I really yeah. like hand-drawn, anima- uh, hand-drawn lightning. Yeah. Obviously now you just... You know, um, people use digital digital effects to do that stuff, but they used to just have people like draw on, on a frame. It looks really nice. I love that effect, even I, though obviously it's like, fake. I just like the aesthetic of it. Like I just yeah. like the look of it. Um, when we talk about Highlander, there's a ton of it in yeah, Highlander, and like reminds me of like Back to the Future and shit. Yeah, there's some in Back to the, Back to the Future. Uh, the interceptor just blows through the cop cars without damaging itself. It's kind of cool. It's I love dope. it. I love it. It it's blows like, a, like the exact front of the cop cars off, which is... That's the thing, because like when you think about it, it would have to be so fucking heavy and so fucking fast to do that. It came from outer space. Yeah, and I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, the Interdimensional. Car, interdimensional. The car stops so the Loomis can get a good look at it. Um. And then they give chase, but they can't keep up and the interceptor ghost energies, sorry, dimensional energy evaporates away. Loomis sees that. Loomis sees it. Yeah. yeah. Which is the beginning of Loomis questioning. Yeah. Questioning what's going on. Um, And it doesn't in a real cool way. It doesn't like go away as in one thing, but it splits apart. It's the same road that Charlie Sheen is riding down at the beginning. So it's kind of dipping away and then yeah, it splits into like four energy things. And then there's like this evaporation glow on the, on the horizon. That's the same road at the end that they leave on. Yeah. 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 They use it. Yeah. They use it three times. Um, Nighttime at Big K's Burgers as Kerry and Billy are exiting. She sees a shooting star. Mm. Um, she does not want to ride home from Billy, which is probably good for Billy. He's, yeah. not, he's happy not to give her one. Yeah, this is like they're like chuckling and laughing about they're both 
in <laughs> we're danger both in for their lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the kind of thing where it's like, you don't want to lift. <laughs> Great, because I don't want to give you one. But it's the reasons. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause, cause you don't want to lift because you will be killed. I don't want to give you a lift because your boyfriend will kill me. Yeah. Very dark. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jake shows up on his silenced motorcycle. <laughs> uh, yes. It has been 33 minutes since Charlie Sheen has been on screen. I'm so glad movie. I know that. I'm so glad I know that. That is a third of the movie's running time. You would have he is thought, the star of this movie. <laughs> you would have thought that in his contract it would say, give me some shots like wow. inside the helmet or something, right? I just don't think that they had time. This movie was shot in like 27 days. I just don't think they had time. I don't understand I don't think how he movies would, And do he that. wasn't super famous at that point that he could demand things like no, that. But if he's the main character, you'd think it would be yeah, part of it. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean he can be demanding. He's not yeah. really a big, he'll be star yet. Um, so here's the other thing is that, it took 10 minutes for him to show up and then he disappears at 17 minutes in. He's been on screen for seven minutes yep. at this point. And we are um, we're like 40-something minutes into this, into this yeah, movie. Yeah, it's insane for it. It's nuts. Yeah. So, okay, I even hate that I'm saying these words out loud. According to IMDb trivia, <laughs> right, not I the greatest source of information um, because anybody can just write anything on there. Um, and it's not fact-checked in any way, shape, or form. They IMDb, triv- IMDb Trivia says that he shot all of his scenes in one day. That makes total sense. Which I don't believe because it's IMDb Trivia, but it is feasible. Yeah. I think what's more likely is they had him for like three days to a week. Yeah. Well, yeah. they would have known that they didn't need him for that much and most of the stuff that they needed him for would have been in similar locations. He's only in about four locations. Yeah. So you get him out the front of Kerry's place twice. You get um, him at the river. You get him in the – later we'll get him in the swimming hole. We get him at Big K's twice now and at the and at the end of the movie. And that's it. I yeah. mean, technically oh, you get him in the chop shop. Well, he's not in that scene. Yeah, but you get his eyes inside the helmet. That's not him inside that helmet. You don't reckon? No, it looks like I him. Uh, probably his, the dude that they kill face. who looks exactly like him. I think it's. I think it's. Yeah, I think it's the actor that plays Jamie. Yeah, I, I didn't. I would have to look again, but I don't think that's him. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's not riding the motorcycle in the chase that's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. true. There is some. There is some shots of them clearly on a rig. Right, clearly on the yeah, back of the trailer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Insert shots, but yeah. So yeah. I think it's feasible that you could have shot all this stuff in one day. I think it's more likely that it was a couple of days. Couple of days. Yeah, because again, he's not famous enough to at that point to be like, well, if you only need me for that many scenes, he's, you're going to shoot them all in one he's day. Not, he's not Bruce Willis yeah. getting paid three million dollars to do one day of shooting in a European action movie. Yeah, it goes straight to streaming. What the fuck are you talking about? Bruce Willis has made like forty movies since 2016. Have you not noticed? You probably haven't even noticed. He just shows they basically I just really don't track him personally. It's just a thing, right? So we remember we talked about like how there's this entire industry of like low budget action yeah. movies and stuff. Bruce Willis is in a bunch of those movies where he's in one location, right? And they clearly shot all of his coverage in one day. Yeah, but then okay. they can put Bruce Willis on the poster. And they pay yep, him like yep, yep, three yep. million dollars to like rock up for one day for one day's work in a European country where he's probably already on vacation. Yeah. Dope. So in this movie, I would imagine that yes, they could have shot it all in one day, but they wouldn't have messed with their schedule to fit in 
making sure that yeah. all Charlie Sheen's scenes yeah. are shot in one day. Uh, yeah. So it's, it was probably a couple of days. It's more that, like, I honestly believe that that trivia is, is bullshit because yeah. it's on IMDb, so it's probably... But it's not, not on screen, screen enough for it's an them to need him for that much. It's an interesting point of a conversation about a movie that's meant to star Charlie Sheen that Charlie Sheen is just not fucking in for most yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick Cassavetes is the star of this, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this film. In terms yeah. of screen time, yeah, the for bad sure. Guys yeah, are, the bad guys are the, are, the, are, the, are the... They're not the heroes of this movie, but they think that they're the but heroes like, of this movie. I, I've kind of been, like, nudging at something while I've been talking around here, but this is dead that like uh, next uh, 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 horror movie where the people who we're cheering for the murderer, you know yeah, what I mean? That's yeah. that's what it's, this film is. You know, at the beginning where I said it's a reverse slasher movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Well, I made the same point, but with different yeah. words and yeah. more succinctly. Yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I still love him. Thank you. Someone has to. <laughs> um, Kerry gets on the back of Jake's motorcycle. Again, she's met this dude like for five seconds. She like cuddles into him, like rests yeah. her head on his shoulders, like straight away. This is Maybe what he I, just smells like, Jamie. It's familiarity. Yeah. This is also something. And also, that, like, yeah, I kind of have to do that on a motorcycle. Yeah. No, no, no. Like been there's a difference between there's a difference between like I'm holding around you. I mean, she like like nuzzles in. Like big spoons him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, like, this is the thing. If Jake was a real person and not Jamie in disguise, like, why would you go anywhere fucking near this chick, hey? She obviously has, because like, a toxic she, I mean, life. She, she's Sherilyn Finn. Yeah, I mean, besides that she's dropped out she's gorgeous, but the there's other beautiful only, people. She's the only girl he's spoken to, as yeah. far as we know. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> just saying, the like, there's other doing women. doing all kinds of other ghost shit, like, when he's not on the screen. You know, like, his groceries or shopping for sweet double denim or... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, she's definitely in a toxic environment and, like, why would you go anywhere near this this couple, apparently? Like, if you were an outsider, you see this couple that obviously aren't healthy, why would you go and add to their tra- dramas? Well, if he wasn't the race, if he was just Charlie Sheen hero character, it plays as though he wants to rescue her from that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That he yeah, sees he this, he's this amazing girl know. in a... He's seen her twice. He's he seen interactions some... with her and Nick Cassavetes once, I think. Yeah, but he's but he's Jamie. So yeah, he's no, I know. I'm just yeah. saying if he was a real person, you would yeah. never go near her. Anyway, Skank and Gutterboy spot them and give chase uh, through all kinds of alleyways and stuff. Some of the, again, there's Poor some, Gutterboy. Like, some fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, Skank wants to run them down. Gutterboy's like... Uh, we were told to just watch and yeah. Gary's on that back of that bike. Isn't yeah. that kind of dangerous? We know that shit. He's also scared of going fast. Yeah. <laughs> like he thinks that this is why I think they're 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 uh, kind of a married couple. Skank tells Gutterboy to get the shotgun. Gutterboy can't find the bullets. Skank tells him to find the bullets. Shotguns don't have bullets. They have shells. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, he tells him to fire it and Gutterboy pulls the trigger while the shotgun is pointed at the floor of the car. <laughs> Yeah. And he blows the steering out. Yeah. He really. Yeah, he's, he's just so nervous. Up. He's just got a lot of social anxiety. <laughs> he's caught up in something that he he's doesn't need so to be over in. His head. Yeah. He doesn't do drugs. We don't see him do drugs. And I know you guys think he maybe he's a bit the, of a tweaker. He was involved in the murder, though. Like, he's in that scene. Yeah. True. So, Fuck true. So maybe he's, like, all fucked up from, like, PTSD from being involved in a murder. Yeah. Could easily be that. 
That's very true. Uh, again, we're diving and I still, deep in the psychology of a movie about a ghost car that kills people. And also, again, I'll say that he, we don't know that he doesn't do drugs. We know that he doesn't drink car fluid. Yeah. That's yeah. not the same as I don't do drugs. But we're assuming that he does just because he's a little bit weird. Yeah. But like, so all I'm just saying is poor gutter boy. He's I agree, fucking called gutter boy. And no one really likes him except Skank. And even Skank treats him like fucking shit. Like, ah, oh, poor gutter boy. Poor gutter boy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he takes drugs. Pour out, pour out some bl- brake fluid for gutter boy. <laughs> and justice for gutter boy. And yes. Hashtag justice for gutter boy. <laughs> he um, does not think when he gets given the direction to shoot the gun because he just basically shoots. He shoots the floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, Doesn't the, even try to lift the gun. It's not like he's. Skank <laughs> tells us that the, sheer, the steering is blown out and then still manages to navigate around a couple more corners yeah. before the car does a, uh, a cannon roll. Another classic. There's an explosion at the bottom, isn't it? That makes it flip. Oh, you know about how this is. I, I learned about this from MythBusters. Oh yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So ba- basically, there's a cannon in the car, mm. and they usually have a um, uh, like a piston or piece of telegraph pole mm. that they use black powder to explode out of the bottom of the car to make it flip o- flip over like that. Yeah, you fully see it explode. Yeah. Um. You can usually tell that the telltale sign of that is the uh, the piece of the piston still yeah. like floating around in the shot or there's usually just a big smoking hole in the bottom of the car so it's a little bit hard to see on the VHS but in the HD version you can just see that, that that's exactly that exactly how they do it <laughs> um, that's a classic uh, classic stunt they do them now with an air ram so now they don't instead of putting fucking explosive powder in the car they use a, a hydraulic uh, piston, a hydraulic piston that goes up and then comes down, and then of course they just erase it with visual effects. Mm. They just fix up the bottom of the car with with uh, visual effects, and sometimes even just replace the whole fucking car because even though we did a practical stunt, we need to add this digital element or erase this thing, <laughs> and then so we just we just replace the whole fucking car. Is it really grind your gears? I understand why. I'm not anti CGI and anti visual effects in any way, shape, or form. It's impossible to tell a crazy, insane science fiction movie. There are tons of visual CG effects I love. Like if you're going to build a world, right? What? Um, but I also like the practicality of the magic trick sometimes. Yeah, like that's the thing that's interesting because I'm, yeah, I think because I'm clear. approaching it from from the from the perspective of I love films and how they are crafted. I like the trick of the of seeing how it's done more than I am like not being able to tell how it's done because they erased it digitally. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. And they fix up all kinds of things now. Like now, like, you know, now you see tons of movies where like you should be able to see the camera in a mirror or in a reflection and they just digitally erase all that stuff because they, because they can. And honestly, I think there are times to do that because it's distracting and there are times to just fucking leave it because part of making a movie is, is leaving the telltale signs of the movie being made. Yeah. I swear we had this conversation not too long ago yeah, and someone went this back into an older film yeah. and erased a mistake. What yeah. was that? Fuck. Um, I can't remember. Yeah. We had that conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where they, I really don't like it when they, when Going they, to older movies. When they do a new 4K scan for the for the Ultra HD version yep. of an old movie that they're going to make me buy for like the fifth fucking time on a different format. <laughs> and then they digitally fix something up because you could see a crew member. Yeah. And I'm like, just fucking leave it the way it was. Yeah, it was perfect. Like, I'm really happy to have the, the, the proper scans, although I'm not watching it in fucking VHS, but just leave it the way it was. Yep. Yeah, I don't like that shit. No, I 100% agree. Jake and Kerry take off. 
Skank Gutter Boy are okay. Skank snorts WD-40. <laughs> yeah. They're a cute couple. I think, they decide not to tell Packard what happened. <laughs> I think this is where someone says crud sucker, which I feel like is lifted from somewhere else as well, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Alien language. As yeah. Janet Maslin. <laughs> yeah. Times. At Kerry's house, Jake drops off uh, Kerry to Bonnie Tyler, matter of the heart. Uh, Packard is watching. He must have been there for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just waiting in the waiting. shadows. It's yep. very stalkery. They make out and Kerry warns Jake about Packard. Jake isn't scared and he tells Kerry that there'll come a time where she needs to make a stand. Kerry, listen. There's going to come a time when you'll have to take a stand. When you do that, that's when you free yourself up. No sooner. So, you know, he's trying to give her a little agency, maybe. Not really. But also, like, she's done that already. Oh, she makes a stand every fucking day against this dude. Yeah, like yeah. she has done that. It's not about making a stand. It's about this guy will fucking kill her. Yeah, I mean, she's living in fear. Yeah, that's that's one thing where I wrote down. I was like, well, I mean, do you think that she has not wanting been wanting to be there this whole entire time? Or yeah. what is your... It's like, dude, you were, you were off in some kind of space dimension <laughs> doing all kinds of shit. What the fuck are you doing coming back and giving me relationship advice? Yeah, exactly. Where the fuck were you? Yeah. yeah, I'm trapped here. Making a <laughs> making a deal on a on a hot car, <laughs> yeah. space car. Uh, Packard follows Jake as he leaves, and he floats away into pieces. Does this mean that Jake is the wraith? <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my god! I'm shocked. Bruce Willis. They were so obvious about Bruce it Willis has seven. been dead since then. <laughs> they. Uh, it, it's been so obvious for the whole film that I thought that in the end. There would be something like Jake is Jamie and the Wraith is like his subconscious and they didn't know each other existed. You, and I thought that would come together, but Honestly, nah. have you been watching this movie? Because yeah. this movie is not going to get that complicated. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 100%. Packard conveniently finds our Skank and Gutterboy walking home. They had some car problems and Gutterboy just gives the game away straight away that they saw carry on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Skank, you look like shit. Why are you walking? A little uh, problem with the cooter, Packard. Uh-huh. Kid in a bike just came by here. You see him? No, he ain't seen nothing all night. In the motorbike with carry on it or nothing, Pack? <laughs> that boy, he just needs a hug. He does. He does. Um, the interceptor is behind Packard. It floats down. Did you not notice that? The headlights come down it's from the top of the car. Dri- yeah, it's just driving down. It's not. No, no, no. It's floating down. Floating. I'm sure it is. No, yes. I've seen Kira. this many hundreds of times. The, the lights do move down. They, move, they I, don't I, come close. They, they go down. Yeah, like it's a car floating down out. Down a windscreen as a car comes closer. Like no, not, no, no. It's because it's a ghost car that's no, surprising them. No, it's, it's okay. No, nah. it could be. I'm a hundred percent on this once one. Once again, making up your own movie. Hundred percent on this one. Your own better movie in your because <laughs> it's right behind him and surprises them. Anyway, um, <laughs> the interceptor runs into Packard's car, which rams it hundreds of meters yeah. down a road and into a cemetery. Oh, um, the wraith emerges again, backlit and with smoke from behind a grave. Yeah, Packard's car's t- gone. Wraith emerges from behind a gravestone in front of the car it just pushed. He can travel through dimensions. <laughs> That's true. Um, Packard tells Skank to kill him, but Pent can't see him. Even Skank can't see him, even though he's right in front of him. Yeah, I like. And, and where touch. the fuck is Gutterboy? Gutterboy just kind of disappears. <laughs> yeah, but his... if you're Gutterboy, you're not following him. No, probably not. 
Um, Skank fires his shotgun and the barrel explodes because the Wraith used his mind mm. <laughs> to make the gun explode. Because <laughs> he's yeah. using that interdimensional energy. Fucking yep. cartoon explodes. It fully just bends back on itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah it is literally like Elmer Fudd yeah. with a cork in his <laughs> end of his <laughs> barrel. Um, the packet tries to rationalise with the Wraith, which at this point might be a little bit too late for that. Uh, and we see that the wraith was standing in front of Packard's grave. Yeah, Ghost of Christmas Past shit. Did he have that made locally? <laughs> <laughs> well, he got it from another dimension oh, where he killed Packard. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Back at the uh, the chop shop the next day, uh, we get another POV shot that we're meant to think is the wraith, but it's just Loomis wandering into, into Packard's space to find Packard in bed with, uh, with another woman. Um, it's not a great way to show that he's in love with Sherilyn Finn. Well, he's he's finding yeah. comfort in in the arms of somebody who understands him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he was hurt by seeing them kiss last night. Yeah, yeah. Also, this is a fucked up scene. We can go through it, but like, oh, look, I'll wait till the end. All right, you you talk through it, and then I'll ask my question. Uh, uh, that's about as much as I got. So Loomis shows up, and he's got a warrant. He asks the girl if she's if she's okay because she does not look okay. Yeah, but is 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 it? Is it implied that she's not okay because he came in and scared her? I, I don't know. Or is fucking is Packard crazy just... Packard forcing her to be there? Oh, and okay. she's like, thank you. Like, I think that that actress is at the river earlier sitting next to Minty. Uh, interesting. I think it's the same. I think it's the same actress. I, did I thought there were two girls time, there. This time around. Yeah, there's a girl sitting next to Minty when the, it's hard to say. You kind of can't really. The way that it's shot, it's like telephone. I feel like they moved as the well in that scene. Yeah, and so Packard comes down and asks Minty for a light and Minty is sitting next to a girl. And yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure that that's the girl that's in this scene. I'm yeah, not okay. 100% on that, but I, but I think so. I think well, maybe they're both her, right? finding comfort in From each other. From the way that she reacts when Loomis comes in, I read that scene as she's not okay because someone just walked in on her having sex and yeah. like she's covering up and is like embarrassed. But there's like a the double I, thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where she's like, thank you, and it's like, thank you. Like, she says it in a way where it's like, thank you, Loomis, for being here. I really appreciate you. Like, Rescuing not just giving me my dress, but for actually stopping what was going on. Yeah. I didn't read it that way at the time, but in retrospect, yeah, probably, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Watching it the second, so, again, I watched this movie twice, um, and the second time I was like, she seems really uncomfortable and not just uncomfortable because Loomis walked in. Yeah. That was my read of it. Again, that. It's not a revelation, but that 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 tracks like, like <laughs> seeing something for the it's like this movie seeing this it was like seeing this movie for the first time, even though I've seen it hundreds of times because I'm suddenly analyzing what's actually on screen yeah. instead of just instead of it just kind of coming into me and me enjoying the insane car race of it all in the eighties and the eighties music. Actually, looking at the content of this of the scenes and trying to analyze what's going what's going on, you suddenly that that context that extremely problematic context kind of comes comes to the fore in all, in all of them. I will say, though, very nice, subtle performance by that actress. Like, she went, she made a choice there and it worked in two different ways. Yep, absolutely. Uh, at the Willow River, um, Mark Timon's Hold On Blue Eyes plays as Jake and Kerry ride out to go swimming in a waterhole. Beautiful. Jake's in the fucking waterhole again. God damn, I want to live there. Yeah, Jake's, Jake's in the water and uh, Kerry is not. Um, Carrie's been having strange dreams. 
uh, that the man in the moon was laughing at us. Couldn't sleep at all last night. I had strange dreams. What kind of dreams? I dreamed that the man in the moon was laughing at me. He tends to laugh all the time. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. What? <laughs> Fucking what? No, no, no. He tends to do that all the time. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, and then Kerry had another dream, but about Jamie. But that's weird because he's dead. Like, people don't dream about people all the time. Uh, Jake is a lot like Jamie, and that could account for the dream. He seems, like, really familiar. Yeah. Yeah, fucking lay it on heavier. We get another flashback uh, where we see Jamie being murdered. And Kerry says, I like you a lot, to which Jake responds, I love you. <laughs> he literally tells her he loves her yeah. in that scene. They've they've met each other for like 15 minutes by this point. But he's really familiar. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, let's just look into the psychology of fucking Carrie. She's literally on a date with this new guy and goes, you look like my dead lover that was murdered with me in the room. Like, you look exactly like him. Yeah, I like him because remember, you look like him. She doesn't him. remember what happened. The other thing is that his body was has never been found and she doesn't remember what happened. We learn from Ruckhead later that she woke up on the side of a highway in a Navajo blanket. Like, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, when on a fucking date are you going to say that to the person that you're seeing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I'm that guy... I mean, I've already said if I'm that guy, I'm not going anywhere near him. But if I'm that guy, I'm fucking walking away at that point. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, and then we come to it, looking respectfully. Mm. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn takes off her clothes and we see one of her breasts. The reason that I'm specifically mentioning this is because I think seeing this movie for the first time as a child was the first time that I ever felt sexual attraction to a woman. Wow. I think that Sherilyn Fenn is responsible for my sexual awakening wow. as a preteen. Pre but there were boobs in this before Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah, but specifically Sherilyn Fenn. Like specifically being, remember being a child and having feelings towards Sherilyn Fenn. First of all. Oh, <laughs> there were a lot of tits in this movie, though. There are lots of boobs in this movie, but specifically her. her yeah, because right? you you have a vested interest in her as well in I the context I, of the film. I don't even know if it's just that. It's also just it's also. So the other thing that I remember about this scene, watching it for the first time with my father, is him pointing out or commenting on the size of her nipples. And yep. <laughs> yeah, which is very specific piece of commentary about a woman's body, which is all kinds of wrong. Yeah. But it's the first time I ever thought about nipples being- Having sizes. Sizes yeah. or different. I understand that this is like, once again, I'm exposing my fucking self on this on this podcast. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so that's why I'm into Sherilyn, Sherilyn Fenn. I also remember that my grandfather was in the room. Yeah. And awkward. he agreed with my father. <laughs> You know what was mine? Um, one of many for me, but one that I specifically stands out in my memory, Starship Troopers. Did is there even any nudity in that? Yeah, movie? the scene where Izzy is with him when oh, yeah. on the Oh, yeah. Oh, no, there is. Sorry, there is. There's a bunch of nudity. There, there, there is. the intergender shower in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is. Which Paul Verhoeven directed naked, by the way. <laughs> yes, what a god. Yeah. Um, but... That scene in particular, which I also think is actually kind of fucked up because she like dies the very next scene as well. And yeah. like that must have been very confusing for young Brody. Yeah. 
so so yeah so that's my that's my Sherilyn fan origins origin story we all have them um there is a, another movie mm. uh that she's in that is also like the part two to that to that that scenario mm-hmm. downtown at the police station uh packard uh and the gang are being chatted to by loomis who seems to be doing some type of arts or crafts uh <laughs> we also learned that augie was found with no eyes cold in his own source none of them ask about the eyes no, none of them are interested like in, that's in so that. weird um rockhead kind of wants to cooperate with the cops yeah we see his weakness shut the fuck up why loomis is um uh, Loomis kind of lays out the stakes, threatens him with the gas chamber if the kid in the car ends up dead. You listen to me, you son of a bitch. There's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for. So, if you guys try to take the law into your own hands and that killer turns up dead, I'm going to see you all sniffing cyanide <laughs> in the Arizona gas chamber. But why has Loomis not separated them? Thank you. You're just about to ask. It's cop talk. Loomis is not a very good, not a very good No, cop. he is terrible. Not a, not a very good sheriff. He is fucking chewing the scenery, but he is. With his little arts and crafts. Yeah. Yeah. He is fucking loving life in this movie the whole time. He makes a little like paper cutout chain person. Yeah. And then cuts the head off <laughs> and holds it out. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good fun. Um, but yeah, there's, there's. No doubt that he, the fact that he, by the end, actually believes it's a ghost, like rationalize it in somehow if you're a policeman. You know what I mean? Oh, I've got some stuff coming. <laughs> okay. I've got, I've got some stuff coming. We're, we're real close. It's on my next page. Um, back at Kerry's house, Jake drops her off and says he'll come by later. Kerry's had the nicest day she's had in a long time. Yeah, no shit. Um, at, back at the chop shop, uh, Rebel Yell by Billy Idol. Uh, Packard leaves to take care of some business. Rughead explains to Skank and, and Gutterboy what a wraith is. Yeah. He's leaving. Wait, wait, wait. Because it gets too real. Before Packard leaves, there is a handshake that must be pointed out to. Oh, okay. You're in your handshakes. It's it's a handshake where they come in and do like a little finger wavy thing, mm. but then they walk past each other and then like at the exact same time they turn back to each other and be like, huh. You've got to think about handshakes Oh, my claps. God. <laughs> It's so cute. This is just the one You just want to have a secret handshake with someone. I 100% do. But second of all, there are so many practice handshakes and they love each other so much. Like this is, this is buys into my theory where it's like, these guys are actually really good guys. I bet you if you got to know them, like, I mean, maybe not Packard. We've discussed. Apart from the attempting to rape Yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I get you. But like, these guys must have such a bond. You know what I mean? Because they're- they just, have a bunch a f- of, just a bunch of friendly road pirates. <laughs> they are pirates. Uh, Listen, you come up with a secret handshake and we'll learn it. <laughs> Thank you. I will not learn it. <laughs> I'll learn it. Uh, leaves. Uh, Gutterboy and Skank are going to go cruise for ladies. Another line of dialogue. Uh, as Gutterboy is filling the car with petrol, he says, I'm a four-day virgin. No, I didn't miss that. He does. Yeah. I wrote that down too. As Rughead is leaving in his truck, he passes the interceptor as it speeds into the chop shop. Uh, there's a cool Steadicam shot, POV shot that goes like through, like yeah. right up to Skank's mouth that's that's sped up. And then the chop shop explodes. I think the explosion is a model, but I'm not 100%. 
Mm, I didn't even think so about there's that. A, there's a miniatures credit in the end in the end credits. And if that is not a miniature explosion, that you explosion is, is. is ridiculous. Yeah. Because the chop shop turns to like fucking powder. Like there's a shock wave and it just kind of blows everything away, which I guess you could just stack the, if it, if it's only a facade and the inside was shot elsewhere, right. Which is the way that movies usually do things that they could stack that with black, black powder and TNT and blow it up. Like yeah. That. Fucking but it. But it's a massive explosion. Uh, what else would be a miniature in the movie if that wasn't it? I can't think of anything else that the, would be. Maybe some of the stuff in the opening maybe, but it seems like that's just like cutouts and, and yeah. paintings. I don't know. Unless there was a, counts there's, as a, miniatures. there's a credit for miniatures, so I don't know. All I know, if that was a actual explosion, uh, yeah, it would have been fucking awesome to film. But that that can I just say that whole scene is fucking awesome. I did not think that we were going to do that. I just thought they were going to like, he was going to roll in, like pin someone and like get out and fuck and shit up. Gun, yeah. yeah, do something. But no, like no, for no. him to just fully just in a split second, he's seen and then full on supercar, like charge into the base and the whole base just fucking explodes. I was not expecting it. I laughed for a good, like oh, five or 10 seconds. It was great. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that part. I, love, I mean, I like like most of this movie. So after this explosion, the tire rolls out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To come back to your notes. Yeah, the tire rolls out, and the tire rolls for quite a while. And because the tire ro- rolls for quite a while, I was instantly reminded of that movie about the tire that rolls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the murder tire rubber. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I can love that. Yeah. I felt like the tire was just going to keep rolling out of frame and then we just follow it maybe, into that Maybe film. this movie is a, is the prequel to Rubber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are both set, also set in the desert. It's the origin story for the Rubber movie. Yeah. But I, I fucking yeah. love that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. The telepathic tire that makes people's heads explode and wanders mm. around the countryside. <laughs> yeah. And also it has an audience watching it inside the movie, which is ridiculous, like, and commenting on the movie as the movie is happening. And then they all get poisoned by that man. And there's no explanation. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. It's a good movie. But yeah, that's the origin story for the for the tire. Mm. Comes from race. Good bit. Nice bit. Thanks. Yeah. Good notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like that was sarcasm. No, no it's not. Really, really, no, genuinely. <laughs> love it's that. just that it's fucking nine o'clock at night. It's my bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we keep on having to record these at, at different times and we are not good in the morning and we are not good on a Friday after <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. week of work. Uh, the cops show up at the uh, at the the remains of the chop shop and Rughead talks to Loomis through the ashes. Rughead tells Loomis that the kid in the car was Jamie Hankins. Yeah, fully just tells the cop everything about because it. Because he saw his eyes. That's what also makes me think that it's the actor that plays Jamie inside that helmet, not not Charlie Sheen. Yeah, okay. We should talk about the original way that Loomis uh, found out that the kid in the car was Jamie. The original way? What is it meant yeah. to be? So obviously this movie had a little bit of a troubled production. Mike Marvin says that they only shot about 90% of the script. There was 10% of the script that they never got to. That makes they started, a lot of sense. started and then never got to because of – production problems and, and producers pressure and blah, 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 blah. Also the, the race at the beginning of the movie was from the second act and they moved it to the beginning of the movie. That wasn't the original opening of the movie, right? <laughs> which caused all kinds of continuity errors because Packard already has a cut hand in that scene. Uh. Uh. So there's all kinds of editing stuff. Mike Marvin talks about the, uh, 
ten or so percent of the script that they never shot. <laughs> oh fuck! Just strap yourselves in. Was yeah. there more Charlie Sheen? No, there was more Randy Quaid. Okay. Oh, thank God. Originally, the rafe was structured differently, and there's really no point in getting into it now. But the first act was much different and better. <laughs> no legend. The sub story of how Randy Quaid figures out what's going on went straight out. There's a line in The Exorcist where Father Mer- it's fucking tangents, man. I think we go on tangents. There's a line in The Exorcist where Father Merrin finds a medallion or something buried in the rocks when he is out at a dig in the desert. He looks at it and goes, wrong period. And then he says something like, you fight evil with evil. Anyway, in the scene, <laughs> scenes in the wraith that weren't used, some of which weren't even shot, Randy's, qu- Randy's character enlists the psychic connections of a prairie witch... And he he starts pasting it all together. The studio didn't want to spend any money and finish that storyline out. And so we only shot part of it and the rest of it was left on the cutting room floor. We literally shot around everything around the Prairie Witch and I didn't have her and I didn't have those scenes. It's a shame because it would have been very cool. (laughs) Would it? Would the Prairie Witch be really cool? I really want to see what the Prairie Ridge looks like. I mean, I don't want I don't want Charlie Sheen floating in space controlling a car, but I definitely want Randy Quaid in the desert Give talking me all to that a Prairie shit. Witch. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel like that it's just it it could just easily be very bad that I wouldn't want them to risk. <laughs> I mean, the movies the movies already like I know, but it is worse. It is sub, uh, you know, objectively a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does explain why he gets to where he gets to so seemingly no real... Yeah. Well, Rockhead just explains it to him. Yeah. yeah. I also yeah. want to know what a prairie witch looks like now. It just looks like a homeless lady in the desert <laughs> who's a witch. That makes a lot of sense. It's, Thank I you for clearing that, that up. I imagine she's either in a cave or some type of, <laughs> some type of, um, some type of primitive structure made out of furs, mm. and there's a lot of chicken bones. Mm. She probably looks a little bit like Leah from Wild Thing. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Okay. I'm done. Yep. Okay. Thank you. That's, that's, You're welcome. Thank you both. I mean, You've now just, had those just, scenes. We just mentally shot that scene. <laughs> <laughs> but also, this is the part where Randy Quaid, cop of the year, Tell someone who just admitted to either being a conspiracy to murder or aiding and abetting murderers to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a bad cop. Yeah, but a great. If you're in trouble, actor. don't call him. There's, there's a there's a scene coming up later. Yeah, he's a terrible cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it's actually the next scene. This is how tired I am. It's the next scene. Loomis goes to Big K as Joe Michael's young love hot love plays. He wants to know about Jamie. Loomis figures that Packard is next. Billy tells Loomis about Carrie and the night that Jamie was murdered. That's when we learn that Carrie doesn't know anything because she was knocked. She was like bashed in the head. Mm. How the fuck does Loomis not know about this? How yeah. long has yeah. Loomis been sheriff? We see a sign at the beginning of the movie. It says reelect Sheriff Loomis. And I'm not entirely, you know, up with how long terms for sheriffs are, but this can't, this kind of happened very, very long ago. So it feels like it would be in that, that time period. And you know that he could probably just pull the file, right? Yeah. yeah. Unless there wasn't a police report. Yeah. yeah. It got me it got me vibing that it never got the police involved. But everybody knows about it. Yeah, about, that's oh, the which, thing. Again, that is a thing that happens. 
Yeah, but you would think that the like the the police would then investigate. Yeah, someone Lewis just has never investigated the disappearance of Jamie Hankins. That's what I think has happened. Yeah, yeah. he's been seen as like a runaway, kid. and he has always suspected Packard for it. Maybe no, because Billy's telling him about this like it's the first fucking time. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, it definitely seems like he's finding details of it out at least. Who knows? Jake and Carrie arrive at Big K's. Uh, he drops her off. Again, he wants Carrie to confront Packard. She wants to know who he is. Yeah, she asks who he is, which is odd because she's been like, what answer is she after? Yeah. Like, is and it, also, like, let, let's She's just, not accusing him of being Jamie. No, no, she's, no, but let's, let's also, like, run through the timeline. She met this dude, like, yesterday or the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Got, wanted to get on his motorcycle, ran into him at the river, made plans to meet up with him later, met up with him, got into a chase... <laughs> where uh, her boyfriend's friends tried to kill them, went to a river with him, had sex with him, and then he dropped her off at work and he tells her, oh, you need to dump your abusive boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you fucking Fuck, lie, that's when you so lie, true. And the reason that it doesn't, it doesn't play like that in your head is because he's not in the movie for fucking 30 minutes in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> but if you lay out the timeline, it's insane. Fuck. <laughs> that blows me away. This scene should be before they have sex. At least... Maybe it know. was. We don't know. I feel like, you know how I turned you on Salute of the Jugger? I feel like I'm turning myself on this movie and I've loved this movie for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a fun oh. movie. It's it is just, a fun movie. It is a fun movie. But I mean, that's what we do. so about, many problems with this movie. It's what we do. But it doesn't yeah. make it less is, fun. Is talk, yeah. about, is talk about the movie. Yeah, it's a fun movie. He leaves her very confused. Once again, Packard is just lurking across the street. Does he Ask. have a response to no, who no, no. Are you? He just he just like rides away. Wait, isn't, <laughs> isn't this the point where he goes, "Ask Packard who I am"? Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. He tells her to ask Packard who he is. Anyway, I don't think Packard knows. Packard has no fucking clue. Yeah, yeah. Packard's seen this dude like twice, and he's Packard, not one of the people who've seen his eyes and, or anything. And Packard doesn't know that. He's the dude that's been killing off his mates. Yeah, Packard legitimately thinks... Packard also do- has no idea that Gutterboy and Rughead are dead. Yeah. Oh, no, that Gutterboy and, and Skank are dead. Yeah, that's... So I don't think that would have been a very successful piece of advice for him to give. Um, yeah, makes no Israel sense. Uh, she, if she'd asked him, he would have been like, I'm sorry, you've been hanging out with who? And they told you what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know who he is. I'd like to. May I kill him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Packard comes over to Big K's, uh, grabs Kerry. I love this bit. And beats the absolute shit out of Billy. Yeah. Like really like gets him down on the ground and kicks the shit out of him. This scene is great because like it actually like gives something to Billy to do. You know, like he has the moment. Well, he has that moment where he tries to defend. And also afterwards where he's like talking to the crowd. He tells all the crowd that they're chicken shits for not doing it. Yeah, I fucking love that. He stands up to the town. Kind yeah. of, yeah. It's it's you know, um, this is very much a western with cars. Um, yeah, and this is the guy walking into the street and telling everybody they need to stand up against the gunslinger. That's yeah, rolling mm. the town. Yeah. Also, in this scene is when uh, he straight up kidnaps his girlfriend in front of the town. Oh yeah, and then does a little jog back to the driver's seat. <laughs> He does. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> it was so good. There's just things that happen in this movie that just don't match with who these people are. 
I think the actors were having a nice time. I think they were. They <laughs> fully were. I think Nick Cassavetes has some kind of flamboyancy to yeah. him, right? And I think that that sometimes comes out. Comes out. That is fucking spot on. Yeah. Um, Carrie and Packard head west. Carrie sets a trap for Packard about the night she was with Jamie. And he just flat out admits that he that he killed Jamie. Yeah. Which is a great way to get her to love him. Yeah. Kerry does stand up to him again. He can kill her, but he'll never make her love him. You think I'd go to California with you? I'd rather go to Nogales, have the gutter boys Cretan children, and die than to be with you. You better shut up now, Kerry. I'm going to have to. Yeah, you can kill me too, Packard. But you can never make me love you. I don't think it's going to work out. <laughs> Guys, it might be doomed. Yeah. He pulls over. She gets out. He pulls a knife. This is, I've lost count. Six, I think. I don't know. Five or six. But he goes, you're pathetic. And then pulls the flick knife. Yeah. And it just looks so fucking um, shit and pathetic itself. The interceptor rolls up, ready to race. If you guys noticed that Charlie Chan and the Wraith are never in the same scene together? <laughs> yeah. Surprising. but Surprising. Mean, you never see me in a. I mean, in that's weird, right? President Bush in the same place either, but that doesn't mean we're the same people. I don't know why I went there. I did, why did I go there? I did that one time, but we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> 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 why is President Bush the I first person know. you could think of as someone you've never been in the same room with? I have with? no idea. It also I makes went- me highly suspicious <laughs> that you've been in a room with President Bush. <laughs> yeah, I think that you're. Done. <laughs> I'm a black flag agent, false oh. flag agent. No, Black Flag, the the Henry Rollins band. He's definitely a Black Flag. <laughs> Bush is like a massive fan. <laughs> Dickhead. You could have just named Slate any of guys. the actors from this movie. <laughs> yeah, you could have Slate. just said Charlie Sheen. I could have. <laughs> you know, you know what I always Bush. say to you? Do you remember what I always say to you? Um, what's with that fucking head? No, 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 the other thing. Um, Shut up, Brody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I needed that. Uh, Packard versus the Wraith. So we come to our big, our big funnel, funnel chase. Um, Does he just assume that Cheryl and Fenn is just going to wait for him when she, like, because he? Oh, we'll finish this later. And like, yeah, he's going to come back for it. He's going to come back for it after yeah. he beats the Wraith. Yeah. I don't think he. I'll come back and kill point. you later. After you he just beats wait right the here. Wraith in a race and wins his car. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, after he runs him off the road. But guys, they haven't agreed to trade pinks for whoever oh, loses. You're right. So it's, uh, it's, it's not, not legal. legal. It's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, although the race is not exciting, the end. They swap positions a couple of times. They do the same low shot. Um, but looking forward on Packard's car, his back tire is in frame. And at the front of the frame, uh, he comes alongside the in- interceptor and they actually bump into each other. Yeah. Like, it's a fucking, that is a good rig. Like, that is a cool shot. That cool must shot. be off the back of one of the cars, It's off the right? back of the Corvette. So they yeah. built a rig off the back of the Corvette. But it's just... What's amazing is how much of the car is in shot, right? Mm. So you've got the back wheel of Packard's Corvette. So it's low to the ground and built out so you can see the, the back wheel. Yeah, it must be and coming then, almost And then he literally comes out. alongside the, the interceptor and bumps him. Yeah. Like, so it's, that's a cool, that's a cool rig. Yeah. I'm a big fan of. Are you, you haven't said that many times this pod. A ri- yeah, rigs. <laughs> Yeah. Shut up. This is the part where I <laughs> rant about how car chases are shot now. Please do. In our three-hour podcast about a movie called The Wraith. My issue with modern car chases is they all use a thing called a Russian arm, very recently renamed to a Ukraine. 
to provide some context about when we're recording this podcast let's not get into that shit but it means that every fucking car chase in every fucking movie looks exactly the same because this tool is ubiquitous it's basically a, a crane on the back of a of an suv that is all controlled from inside the suv the camera the crane everything right yeah and it's a really easy way to shoot like the reason that it is everywhere is because you don't need to build individual car rigs and you can put the car at, you can basically put the car any the camera anywhere and do these sweeping moves around things and move in and out of traffic and stuff. So I understand the efficiency of that, but it means that everybody's fucking chase scenes look exactly the fucking same. So if not everybody used it, you would like it because then it would be unique in the movies that do use it. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not one that of those, it's a bad tool, no it's just that it's overused. It. It's, it's one of those, the, yeah, the yeah, stock it's standard. one of those things where like film is fashion, films chase trends. If somebody does something, somebody else, copies it straight straight away and like point of view drones like point of view drones which is the next which is the next big thing right the trailer for the new michael michael bay movie came out fucking full of pov drones first person drone footage it's the new thing in action As what? In, in action movies so using first person drones so a drone that is piloted in first person view that is a lightweight drone that can fly like ridiculously fast because it's like playing like like, like playing a video game being used in movies. Yeah, okay. Red Notice, the the Rock and and Ryan Reynolds yeah. movie yeah, 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 uses uses a bunch of them. There's a bunch of shots that look like they they are crazy shots because they look impossible. Like a, like flying over a city and then diving down into the canyon as a car chase as a car chase is happening. Yeah. And it's done with a first person drone. Yeah. Um it's a trend, right? It's what's next. It's kind of what's replacing, not replacing the Russian art, but it's whatever the next the next trend is. Right? Yeah, 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 sure. So, films do that, and there's just an efficiency to, like, the thing about, find thing about reasons this, to use them. Kind the of thing, thing about this arm, right, is it makes it really easy to shoot a car chase. Yeah, you don't have to do individual setups and rigs. You, it's like using, it's like movies that are entirely shot on a Steadicam because you can easily move a Steadicam anywhere, right? It's just a it's just a thing that production does because it's the easiest thing to way to get the effect that they want. But mm. it means that everyone's chases look the same. I hate it. I want people to build rigs. Yeah, I mean build car rigs. Do things that are interesting and visually different. I feel like there's been one car chase that was really cool just recently where like a director like built a like box in and sat in while he was filming and stuff yeah so there's uh i know it's the liam hemsworth movie not liam chris hemsworth movie yeah that was directed by a stunty and he did a bunch of rigs where he's sitting he's holding a, a camera handheld sitting on the bonnet of a car rigged into it as yeah. it's chasing the car yeah, yeah and yeah. then they release him and he steps off the car and then puts the camera into the window fuck and it's really cool. My issue with that is that's the only thing people fucking talk about that movie. So the trick yeah, becomes it wasn't the, that great a movie. The trick becomes it's fun. It's also like a, a like a thirteen minute unbroken sequence, yeah. right? Where they blend a bunch of shots shots together. My issue with stuff like that is I love a magic trick, but I don't like it when the magic trick becomes the what the, the feature the, the feature. Yeah, right. And that's what that that's what that movie does. Yeah, okay. Rant about current films <laughs> yeah over over, <laughs> for, over for now okay distractions let's get to this last chase distractions i distraction love it ju- junction a <laughs> lot of camera shadow in this chase you can see the camera cars entire shadow i mean i've seen this movie a lot of times so i notice stuff but um yeah you can just see the the, the camera cars shadow 
Okay. In a, bun- okay. in a bunch of shots. Interceptor takes off and the cops get involved chasing Packard. There's a fucking great, another great piece of stunt work. The truck. The truck. The, the car carrier? Yeah. Yeah. So Packard speeds past a car carrier. There's a cop car coming towards him. So the, a cop car basically has to swerve to avoid another cop car. It crashes into the car carrier and all the cars just fly off the top of the carrier. It's fucking gnarly. Like that's <laughs> yeah. a, that's a, again, that's a, that's a real stunt stunt. Yeah. Yeah. What was interesting. I was a little worried that that will happen when I'm driving behind one of those. Oh yeah, I think about that. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I, so, so I think about that on a, on a, on a motorcycle. I think about like how close I'm getting to how secure are those cars? Could that car, if I'm behind it, could that car come off and hit me right now? Yeah. yeah. Or could I use it as a ramp to jump over this truck? <laughs> what was interesting about this in the concept of the world, I know Packard's kind of going a little bit crazy and doesn't care and he's desperate, but Packard, the character, just killed a police officer in a police chase. Like, well, And he he's just like, he's fucking done He now. doesn't know that. He doesn't. He just drives off. It's not like he's. But he's he's close with the cops. He would have seen the destruction behind him, and he knows he's got a trail of cops. So he's like, he's done. There's no. There's no getting out of this one. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I don't know if Packard would make that choice. Like just as a character choice, really, where we're getting into the nitty gritty of the movie (laughs) here. And we're really talking about character motivation. Yeah, I just feel like it. It was odd for me because I feel like Packard would be like, okay, this is a bit hectic. I'll get him next time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Though he was just basically considering killing the love of his life. Yeah. So he's not exactly in his right mind at this moment. Yeah, he he's may be too desperate right to care. The whole movie. Yeah, Well, very yeah, true. no. But he's, he's even out of his crazy mind at yeah, this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, his rational mind is gone. Uh, the interceptor turns around. We're so close to the end. The interceptor turns around and uh, Pack and the Wraith are now driving right at each other. Packard sees the Wraith standing in the middle of the road. And tries to hit him and, of course, goes head on with the interceptor and explodes. This goes on. I love this, first of all. I love it, the tension well, it's, it's that this builds. It's trying to build. Yeah, it's going back build. and forth between the interceptor the cutting, yeah. and, and whatever car he's driving. It's a Corvette. It's so like Corvette. a late 70s Corvette. Yeah. There, it builds so much tension. But fuck, it goes on for so long. They're using, so they're using long. every frame they got. Yeah, oh my God. Um, um, but also, uh, yeah, I don't know why they didn't just have a chicken scene instead of having him think he was running over the, the dude. I think yeah. it would have been better if he thought he was challenging the wraith to a head-on kind of chicken thing. Maybe. <laughs> um, because it's like 9.30, 10 o'clock. My brain took a while to figure out what you meant by the chicken thing. And so I just pictured instead of the wraith standing there, a chicken. You don't remember. <laughs> and I was like, why does Bernie want a chicken there? You don't remember instead? the giant, the giant chicken? <laughs> Interdimensional chicken. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this whole movie has been building up to. That's wow. what I thought you were suggesting. We, we broke her. We're yeah. like an hour past Kira's bedtime. Yeah. I'm very sleepy, and Brody would suggest that, well, instead of this, they really should have had a chicken. <laughs> it would make almost as much sense. Yeah. Now um, I understand that what you mean, and yeah, I can see your point. Uh, Carrie reacts like she hears the explosion. Yeah. Yep, which maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. Um, and one last brace. They've been racing for a long time. <laughs> Maybe they're going in a circle. We don't yeah, know. okay. And one last brace glows out of existence. Uh, Loomis shows up to find Packard laying there. Um, I mean, I really like Nick Casavetes, but 
he's moving. <laughs> I didn't even see that. He's, he's moving. That. I mean, he's laying in a very uncomfortable position <laughs> in a burnt out car, conveniently with the only remaining clothing covering his junk. Yes. Uh, and he's moving. There's a yes. long, there's a long steady. The, it's actually quite a long shot. It starts on the brace. The brace glows out and disappears. It moves to the car to reveal Packard's dead body, and then cranes up as the police cars arrive. And Loomis and the cop have a conversation while Packard is still is out of is out of frame. But Nick Cassavetes is absolutely moving in that shot. <laughs> Good on you, Nick. Uh, director of the Notebook. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Loomis, uh, yeah, Loomis is, just gives up on catching somebody that can't be stopped. There's nobody left to kill. Yeah, yeah he just, like, rather, that's that's him totally buying into the magic thing. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, okay, you're just going to assume that magic exists rather than try to figure out whether there's any other possible explanation for what's just happened. But how it's does, not good cop work. How does he explain that to the other cops he as well? He kind of just says, basically, <laughs> we all believe in magic now, guys. He's the sheriff. He's the sheriff. He just does what he wants. At Kerry's house. Kerry has walked all the way home. The Wraith didn't come and pick her yeah. Um And Cheryl and Fenn, um, she walks like she's been walking for a long time and she's a little sore. Like there's, an <laughs> act, there's an acting choice yeah. there. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of great. Um, Interceptor pulls up. She doesn't seem concerned, even though she's seen this this car behind. The Wraith gets out and his suit glitches out and, and holy <laughs> fuck, it's Jake. I mean, Jamie. I mean, Charlie Sheen. Who yeah. would have thought? I love how he just so confidently just goes, you know who I am. Yeah. So good. So gold. But the thing is, is like this whole time, he's just been this omnipotent force throughout the whole movie. Like there's and, no and the way. the thing is, is like the movie never. Okay. So with the spoilers for the crow, right? <laughs> but in the crow, they, the bad guys figure out that if you hurt the crow, you take away uh, Eric Draven's, Immortality, yeah. right? The Wraith has no weakness of any kind. Yeah. The bad the guys thing. never figure out a way. Like, the bad guys never have a chance. Like, this movie is, the outcome is, prede- is predestined. The Wraith is just playing with his food. Yeah, 100%. The whole time. 100%. That is such a good way of putting it. Thank you so much. There's just no, there's no, they don't ever figure out a way to beat him. The digital radio killers, they don't work. Yeah. There is literally no point where we're in any kind of danger for our hero here. And we don't even know who our hero, like, we don't know that, I mean, yeah. we know it's Charlie Sheen. Yeah. We know that he's Jamie slash Jake. But we never, again, we never see him in the car. You never see him interact with the bat. Like, Charlie Sheen has no interactions with <laughs> yeah. Nick Cassavetes whatsoever, <laughs> other than Nick Cassavetes seeing him at a, at a distance. All of his interactions <laughs> are with Cheryl, so with Cheryl and Fenn. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I love that. This movie's a mess. Fucking, that is such a glaring problem with this movie. They've got a second chance, um, but he has one last thing to do. Is this where he says he's running out of time? Uh, no, that no, was he before. That earlier. Okay. Yeah, they didn't oh, make yeah. up their mind with that yeah. one. He's short on time. Yeah, yeah that's which when he I drops thought, her. Yeah, because when off. he said that line, I thought that would mean that, okay, so once well, the Wraith kills all his victims, he'll yeah. disappear. In The Crow, that's what happens. Like Eric Draven goes, uh, is reunited with Shelley and they go off to wherever the, yeah. the afterlife is in the, in the in the Crow. Yeah. But that's but, obviously not what happens here. And I yeah, guess no, no. Your, your, your director mate's explanation of why the, car, the, the um, braces go away kind of explains 
explains that I guess once he's killed all his victims, he gets to be human again. Yeah, he's got yeah. all his strength back. But maybe. is now she just dating this omnipotent fucking ghost? He's, she's like, dating a ghost. Yeah, yeah, like what is going on? Is does he keep his powers? It seems like he keeps his all-knowing powers, and he remembers everything. Like, does he know what death is like? Uh, I guess. Does so. he have the answer? <laughs> yeah. Is, is this man? Like the new Jesus? Like, have a couple of questions for him. Have a couple of questions for him. I suppose him. she figures anyway, she'll have time to talk to him later. They're I not, not going to leave yet because he's got one more thing to do. Oh, yeah. Which is frame his brother for yeah. the murder. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Gives his fucking murder weapon, which all the police know to everybody, his brother. Everybody has in town has fucking seen this car oh, and knows yes. that it's, connect, it's the car that's been killing. And he gives it to, to, to Billy. Yep. It's not a very nice gift, is it? <laughs> Fuck, he gives I don't zero think it's fucks meant about to play like that. It's not. It's, it's, it's just it's meant to be meant like, to... you're my brother, here's a cool car. Oh, wait, well, we get, we get. Who are you, bro? You said it, Billy. Yeah. Yes. Jake, 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 Jamie. Jamie. Which, again, is a direct lift from the end of the movie Shane, where Shane leaves. It's a Western. I don't You guys probably haven't nah. seen it. It's a, it's a classic uh, Western where Shane leaves and a little kid says Shane's name like over and over. It's just it's just a complete lift from that mo- from that movie. I love the line. The instructions are in the glove box. The instructions are in the glove box. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Great little little sprinkle there for yeah. us. Uh, Loomis watches Jake pick up Kerry, and they ride off into a rising moon as we uh, hear the reprise of "Where's the Fire" by Tim Feenan and. Uh, that is a wrap on yeah. Wraith. Did anyone else think that they were going to like turn into balls of light and go yeah. away? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. But, then te- but technically if they did that happen, then Cheryl and Fenn dies. That's what so I thought was going to happen. Goes to another dimension because yeah. he's an interdimensional traveler. Yeah. Yes. Also, but you only know that if you've heard the director's interview from 2010. So I don't think that that counts yeah. as a reading for the movie. It's, not, it's canon. <laughs> also, no, it's not in the text. No. She clearly doesn't own the house that she's staying at. Well, no, she still lives with her parents, I imagine. Right? She's still so a teenager, she right? Fucking she's a, no, she's not old. I mean, she's But, like, 18, teenager. not, like... Yeah. I don't know, 20-something. Like, I don't know how old Charlotte's been actually was. no way her parents are going to be cool with what she's doing. So she's... I mean, we don't Straight know. up she running might, away from she, home. She might own that house. I, mean, <laughs> I don't I mean, think that they're that old. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm let's not. be logical here. She still lives with her parents. Logic. She's about bring 18. Logic into this podcast. And she has known this person who her parents think has died, like, already. But this person that knew her parents probably don't even know about, she just runs off with in the middle of the night. She does. She becomes a missing person. Really, honestly? She does. I hope they're very happy together. <laughs> I hope they started a cult. Oh, I, mean, I mean, easily, because he has seen death. Yeah. I mean, I'm always a fan of cults, guys. We get a dedication to uh, Bruce Ingram, the crew member who died. Um, yeah. Uh, names I recognize in the credits. Uh, Buddy Joe Hooker. Uh, he's a legendary car stunt driver. Um, he was the car stunt coordinator, so probably not responsible for the camera car, but responsible for the um, for the the for all the driving stuff. He has hundreds of credits. Um, he has uh, a... Uh, a memorable line on camera in the movie Gleaming the Cube with uh, Christian Slater, which we may talk nice. about. And the 1978 movie Hopper, starring Bert, uh, Burt Reynolds, is loosely based on his life. <laughs> he also worked on Death Proof, Dope. which has a fucking great car shoot in it, uh, Tarantino's section of Grindhouse. One of his sons, Hank uh, Billy Hank Hooker, is also listed in the credits. 
The other name I recognized was Peter Curran or Curran. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name because I've never heard it out loud. He's a visual effects guy. He's, this guy's worked on tons of stuff. He was a miniature. He worked in miniatures on Star Wars A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, ended up starting his own place. He's the guy that created the iconic opening title for John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, uh, this isn't the guy that there was a documentary made about just recently who um, did, did he do uh, Jurassic Park as well? No, that's Phil Tippett. Uh, okay. It's a different dude. Okay. Um, he worked on the first two Robocop movies, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Critters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, Starship Troopers. The list goes on. The guy's an nice. absolute legend. And I recognize his name because I'm just I'm weird and I recognize. But usually recognize cinema, cinematographers, cinematographers, editors, stunt people and visual effects people usually for like model stuff. Just stick in my head. I don't know why. Because I'm wrong. Trailer <laughs> after the movie. Oh, you motherfuckers. Mm. There's a trailer after this movie. We turned it off during the credits, no. didn't we? <laughs> oh, you you always watch all of the credits. No, no, no. I I had to watch it with you other means. You had to means. watch it a different way. Yeah. There is a trailer after this movie for a surreal western called Straight to Hell. You guys missed out. It's a it's a fun Fuck. trailer. Old business next week. Yeah, let's yeah, watch you guys it. Need to, need to watch it. So it's a, it's a western directed by Alex Cox. Um, a story of blood, money, guns, coffee, and sexual tension. Fuck we yeah. need to watch this Fuck trailer. Yeah. Starring Joe Strummer from The Clash. <laughs> okay. Grace Jones, Dennis Hopper, Elvis Costello, a pre-grunge being a thing, Courtney Love. Oh hey. wow! The band The Pogues. And members of this Circle Jerks. Wow. I've always wanted to see this movie and I never had. You motherfuckers never saw the trailer. I'm so excited to see what the Circle Jerks look like seeing as they're, they're, not, in the, they're not in the trailer. Oh. I just know that they're in that, mo- they're in that movie. <sighs> um, you will see the Pogues. Uh, you, you probably know Pogues songs. You probably don't know who the Pogues, Pogues are. Vaguely, yeah. Um, Alex Cox is a, a crazy indie filmmaker. His most famous movies are probably uh, Repo Man starring uh, Emilio Estevez and Harry uh, Lynn yeah. Stanton. Um, which has a strong cult following, and he also directed Sid and Nancy about Sid, Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. Yeah, uh, Connie Love is in that movie. Is, is in that movie as well. An appropriate age to have <laughs> watched The Wraith. You or me? Ah, oh, you. Well, you know I am a fan of watching things at a younger age to expose people to thing. I think I think to, people to immensely toxic behaviour. <laughs> no, well, look, I think there is. Definitely a lesson to be learned here. I don't know if it's the one that's intended, but I, I'm i always a fan of exposing people to things at a younger age than normally uh, parents would accept. You know what I mean? I was exposed to things at a very young age, and I think it helped me question and develop certain parts of my, my personality. It's my entire personality. Yeah. Um, look, there are a lot of tits. I don't think that's a problem. <laughs> I think young boys seeing tits at young age, that's going to happen. This movie- The toxic behaviour for young people in general may be a bit of an issue, but they are the baddie and that is clear. Um, And they aren't humanised in any way, shape or form. Just quickly, this movie rated M in Australia, uh, PG-13 in the United States. I think the delineation between what's good and what's bad is quite clear in this film. So I'd say a solid maybe um, seven or eight. Yeah, 16. Um, I disagree completely with the uh, the toxic behaviour being appropriate. Yeah. I think that you definitely need actual proper guidance or you need to 
be old enough to know these things for yourself and youth of this generation at about 16, they're pretty wise to that kind of calling out that toxic shit. Mm. And so if we're talking about kids these days, I just don't think that you want young kids seeing. The problem is is that like we we talk, we called out all the toxic stuff at the beginning, but then as we went through, we're like, but these guys are so cool and they're so cute. Yeah, we and made blah, and, we, it, yeah. and But like not so much that we made light of it, it's that we do, you do start liking some of these characters. Not really the main bad guy, but the other guys who were – basically threatening to rape that girl at the beginning yeah. become the humanized. Become yeah. the so relief. I think, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that you do get humanized characters and they don't get held accountable for the terrible rapey behavior. They get killed by the wraith, but they get killed by the wraith because they killed him, not because they're treating the girl badly. Yeah. So, I, I agree. So I, I think say- from that perspective, no 16, unless you've got a lot of parental guidance, but if you're talking, normally I rate these age-wise based on how old they should have been at the time of the movie coming out because we had the argument about Spider-Man versus um, mm. versus the um, wild thing. And if you're looking at the society in which this movie was released, then, yeah, maybe 11 or 12 because they're just going to like the car chases and shit. Um, and mm. movies at the time did overlook this stuff and people didn't call this yeah. stuff out at that point and it is fairly commonplace and you saw it in a lot of movies. So if I'm going off the way I've been doing this, 12. Yeah, yeah. I re- I'm actually would agree with you. Um, that might be a surprise to you but I would <laughs> because of the conversations we've had about parenting. Um, <laughs> not that we have children but the I would agree with you that watching this movie now – I would, if I was a uh, parent, I would feel like I would want to watch it with my kids so yeah. that I could provide context, context for the behavior and also just for the use of that, like the F word. Yeah. Right? Like just 13 to, is parental guidance, isn't it? Yeah. PG 13. Yeah. 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 13 to 13 to 16. Yeah. yeah. That, that said also, when I say 16, I mean 16 unaccompanied. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I was probably, by my best guess, seven or eight when I saw this movie, which is pretty, I mean, that's kind of the range. We've been watching a lot of movies from the same, like, mm. couple of years, so that's probably not much of a surprise. Uh, would you watch this again if you're in free will? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, very easy to watch. I mean, I thought there about are some massive issues with <laughs> it, some cultural issues with it, but, but I the, think. The things that are good about it are, Again, it's the imagery, it's the music, it's the combination of those two things. Like the it's point a good, and it's a the good conceit of the movie aren't built around those things. No, those yeah. things are those things are yeah, exactly. The movie's not built around the around the uh, the problematic elements. The problematic elements are in the movie because of the era in which the which yeah. it was made and because they're the bad guys. Exactly. All right. Uh, rating out of five. So one being one being I hated this movie. Two being I did not like this movie. Two and a half being there were parts of this movie I liked. It was fine. Three being I liked this movie. Four being I loved this movie. Five being this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm going to be a hard ass. And have I given anything a five yet? Ooh, no, you haven't. You gave, you gave Future Cop a four. Yeah. So your highest score was a four for Future Cop and Jugger and your lowest score was a two for Wild Thing. Oh, fuck. This isn't on the level of Future Cop and Jugger. Um, I love this, but it, uh, look, it, it was great, but I, this isn't, I, I would have to give it a 3.5, which would make it what? It means I almost loved it. Yeah. yeah. I almost loved this film. Yeah. 3.5. Based on the same logic, I have to give it a three because I gave Jugger and Future Cop a 3.5. Yeah. Nice. 
So uh, I like this movie. I mean, this is a five for me. Oh, wow. it's a five. I knew you my, always loved it, but I didn't still know one it would of my be favorite, a five. It's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. wow. Okay. Wow. In this realm, like, there's a difference. So I should probably qualify, right? Because as I so said- So you like this movie as much as you like Jugger? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I would even put this, like, above Jugger. For wow. Wow. Five like if you ask me if you were like <laughs> if you were like which movie do you want to watch I'm probably going to put the wraith the wraith on yeah yeah mm. um you know I like good movies too it's it's honestly <laughs> like I, and I say that because I mean in nobody's sane rating of this movie is this a fucking five out of five movie right yeah but as I said this is per, it's personal preference and I can't not view this through the lens of the 30 years, 30 plus years that I've enjoyed this movie. And this movie has been part of my, the part of the imagery in my head and part of my cultural upbringing, right? This movie plays an integral role. And it's got Sherilyn Fenn in it. And it's got Sherilyn Fenn in it. And we've already established why that's a big deal, why that's a big deal. So for me, within the context of that and within the context of this, of this podcast, it's a fucking five star movie. That's it. And it's, fucking, a fi- yeah. uh, and it's a five-star movie on your letterbox review? It is, absolutely. Okay. I'm Intriguing. consistent with my reviews here and my reviews on Letterbox. I would expect nothing less. Um, and it's the one social media you can follow Keen on. <laughs> <laughs> don't follow, don't subscribe. That and Twitter. We need to pick our movie for next week. <gasps> movie, movie. It's finally it's my turn. turn. The way finally my turn. Let's um, see whether he's found something that will change your choice. Ooh. So the way that we pick movies is that Brody and Kira alternate, taking turns, picking from three choices that are prepared. Uh, if a movie remains unpicked for three times, it's struck out. Last week, Kira did not pick Showdown in Little Tokyo. You bitch. <laughs> Talk about fucking toxic masculinity. Um, it's okay, Brody loves me. Which means- I love you deeply. It's struck out. So still on the pick list from last week with one- You can st- tell I like hesitated there for a second. I was like, nah, <laughs> she won't care. <laughs> Fuck, should I say that, say that or not? No, yeah. No, 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 I already said it now. Um, I hope she's okay with it. You get away with that, Kian does not. Um, <laughs> I do not. Um, still on the pick list from last week with one strike, Iron Eagle. Mm. That does look exciting. It does look like a lot of fun. It does feel like if you don't pick it, it'll get knocked off the list next week, though. Daddy Issues, the movie. <laughs> yeah, with Jets. Uh, yeah. New on the list, Best of the Best, starring Eric Roberts and James L. Jones. Ooh, sports okay. drama? F- fighting tournament movie drama? Ooh. Oh, shit. Fuck. James L. Jones? James L. Jones. Do you want to do some trailer voice? <clears throat> best of the best. A team is not a team if you don't give a damn. Does that make sense? Yeah, a team is not a team if you don't give a damn. Makes sense if you It makes sense if you're not trying to process it in your head as you're speaking. <laughs> you just read it like a normal Well, I've got to intonate it with the trailer voice. Hold on. Home. Yeah, <clears> your, your tone was all over the place. Let's try it again. Let's take uh, it from the top. <laughs> uh, this time I would like you to do it good. Yep. <clears throat> Directing you. Great, great uh, direction there. Thank you. <clears throat> best of the best. A team is not a team if you don't give a damn. That was better. Right? That was, was better. better. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Oh, fuck. Yes. All right. Got to love the Americans wearing gays, first of all. Eric Roberts, Philip Ree, Christopher Penn, John Dye, and David Agresta. Christopher Penn is in this movie. Jesus. <laughs> Play five young men who were selected as members of the U.S. National Karate Team. 
Each has his own reason for competing. However, they soon discovered that in order to function as a team, they must put aside their differences and learn to depend on each other. James L. Jones is their unorthodox coach, and Sally Kirkland, their trainer who teaches them that winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. Together, they enter an exhausting training period that puts their mental and physical skills to the ultimate endurance test. After three months of grueling workouts... Just, just explain the whole movie. ...and personal conflicts, they're ready to face the highly skilled Korean team. Oh, Fuck. my God. <laughs> so this movie is one big training montage with It does ending. sound like that, doesn't uh, it? Oh, inspirational karate sports drama. That's only picture. I have something else for you. Oh, no. Oh, no. An- another new one? Well, yeah, because... So the only holdover from last week was Iron Eagle because, because we picked, we picked the, the Wraith and Showdown Little Tokyo. Oh, that's right. So you have two new movies. Two new from. movies. Oh, I've got something for you. Okay, okay. It's going to have to be hard to beat that. Okay. I'm sorry, Iron Eagle, but it's probably... I present to you <clears throat> Meridian, Kiss of the Beast. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, okay. Cover talk. So before the cover talk, mm. we'll talk about the cover. Also starring Sherilyn Fenn. Oh, Ooh, wow. She is beautiful. Directed by Charles Band, director of Future Cop, a.k.a. Trances. Wow. <laughs> Shot in his Italian castle. Wow. It's. Is it my birthday? It's the movie that I've been teasing for two weeks. <laughs> Oh, let's not pick it just to fuck him. Yeah, the movie, yeah I know, right? <laughs> and the, it's the movie that I've been teasing that I told you I got an insane, an insane tape. This oh, my God. This is the movie that when I was listening to Charles Band's uh, auto, uh, a biography, that there was a piece of information that gave me chills and shook me. Is this the week that we're learning that Keen has veto power? <laughs> <laughs> we're not. Um, much like Kira feels that I may have stack the deck or put my hand on the scales last week by putting the wraith in front of her. (laughs) I knew that Kira may never pick this movie, but Brody might. Oh, I love how there's game plan on Key Inside too. Well, there has to be. Let's talk covers. Uh, Best of the Best has Don't you need to do trailer voice for our I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay, okay, okay. So Best of the Best has a black and white cover of two uh, beaten people holding up their hands. I thought it was going to be footballers. Uh, It kind of looks like they're wearing jerseys, but obviously it's Geese. It's, it's, you know, it's a sports drama cover. Can I see Uh, that one? Certainly. Thank you. Um, but Meridian, Kiss of the Beast, seduced by something less than human, in love with something more. Um, I almost feel like it needs a different trailer voice. Uh, Do you have a different trailer voice? I have range. It needs to be like sultry. Meridian, Kiss of the Beast, seduced by something less than human, in love with something more. No, I almost no, got there at the end, I feel. No, I, nah, okay, not, okay. Not for well, this cover is pretty much all black, but has Sherilyn Fenn illuminated in a fucking beautiful uh, bedgown, I think, of some description. Yeah, that's what that but is. Bedgown? It's, it's white and flowy. That's I what mean, that is, right? <laughs> I mean, it looks nighty? like... A nightgown, yes. Nightgown? A nightgown. Bedgown. A nighty, yes. <laughs> you know, for when I go to my night party. <laughs> <laughs> and behind her is a beast that is clearly in a mask, but it looks like a devil or demon. 
Let me read the back and get some context. Oh, my God. <laughs> there is what looks like a fucking vampire Bigfoot on the back, fucking people up and falling in love with Sherilyn Fenn. Um, <clears throat> a beautiful young artist must choose her destiny in the hauntingly sensual tale of love, passion, and revenge. Catherine Bomaz Bomarzini, Sherilyn Fenn of Two Moon Junction, returns to the family castle in Italy after her father's death. There she finds herself drawn to a mysterious love triangle with a handsome, sinister magician. And a creature who, <laughs> a creature of the night whose gentle eyes and touch reveal his infinite love. What the fuck? Is the creature real or an illusion guided by the ghost of a young, a slain young beauty? Fuck. Catherine discovers the ancient curse that enshrouds Bomazarini Castle. Motherfucking Charles Band. Fuck. A curse only she can dispel. Uh, fuck. All right. Meridian Kiss of the Beast sounds fucking bizarre. It does. Um, and it, it sounds super different to what we were doing. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's very bizarre. And Cheryl and Finn. Yeah, I get Cheryl and Finn, but I also have another option to, to watch it. Because we, we have, more. yeah. I think I if you don't pick It'll Iron come back to you. Yeah, so it'll come back to me if, if this Kira doesn't, doesn't get true. If Kira yeah. doesn't pick it next week, it'll still come yeah. back yeah. to me. Yeah, and if you, uh, from what I said at the beginning of all of this, if you don't pick Iron Eagle this time, it probably won't That's get picked. That's what I'm picked. thinking. So help me talk this through. All right, so Awkward Eagle. Awkward, <laughs> awkward Eagle? Eagle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's his new name, Awkward Eagle. <laughs> Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle seems like a fucking ridiculous, ridiculous attempt at being super cool but isn't, and I think it's <laughs> going to be another Jim Carter-esque. I mean, it Potentially, is, yeah. It would be super cool, and I don't know what the fuck it's <laughs> But Best of the Best sounds like something that we probably will legitimately really enjoy watching. Yes. And it has James Earl Jones. I can't resist an inspirational sports drama, so I will definitely be picking that if I you didn't don't. Realize, uh, you said this on the other pod, but like I didn't realize this about you. Yeah, I yeah, I would definitely teams coming together for a common goal. I will definitely pick that, fun. and I will definitely not pick Meridian. And Iron Eagle doesn't come back to me. Ooh, so. great call, great call, great call. Uh, um, Iron Eagle is then. Let's see if King can get you to not choose best of the best. That's this just week. An, uh, oh, I guess if you put something else. But, He'd have to put just another inspirational sports drama in front yeah. of me or something with Keanu Reeves. I have many options. Waiting time is over. Awkward eagle. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. I didn't okay. think you were going to get chosen, but we, it's happening. You know, I thought that this- I'm glad it didn't get knocked off the list because it feels like something that's going to be super it's fun. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. It, it's a good time. Yeah. Iron Awkward Eagle, <laughs> as it is now known. <laughs> 112 minutes. Could oh. be the longest movie that we so have So let's definitely this book this one for like an 11 o'clock session. Yeah. Guys, I think we're just people who really like hanging out with each other and have a lot to say to each other. Is that possible? It's possible. <laughs> I mean, I like one of you. you and nobody knows me, right? which one. You can fight for my life. <laughs> Throw weapons in the ring. I have rings. So I think I win that battle. So that wraps up this extremely long podcast about the Wraith. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for listening. Do not like, do not subscribe, do not follow us on uh, social media. Get out of uh, here. Weird Kid Video on Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. And also Letterboxd. Mm. Go outside, make a better life choice. <laughs> Stay off the internet. Listen to us while you do the washing and it flies by. And 
scene. Who spends three hours doing the washing up? <laughs> <laughs> when you let it build up.